Yeah. There. I want to do the traditional opening properly. Bum, bum, bum. Uh, Ward is on the phone. We'll bring him on in a second. Uh, well, more than a second. Space music, that's not it. I have that, actually. in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the places. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Let us punish the guilty. Let us reward the innocent. My friend, can your heart stand the shocking facts about Radio Mysterioso? Let's see if this works. I was trying to make a loop of of this. Maybe it should just be one beat. You should do a whole show with that playing constantly in the background, just over. What I want it to do is just go during. I think it's free long distance. Yeah, absolutely. Now. That's it. That's it. I want to use that as a um, as a uh, uh, percussive track. Just that from Lost in Space. I think it's a great sound. It is. It's awesome. Hey, you know, you know this. The the good version of yeah. Ooh, let me turn that down. Show that a great theme. Yeah. Well, this thing has both of them on there. Let me turn that down a bit. Hey, Ward, are you there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Who wrote that? Alexander? Is it Alexander Courage? John Williams wrote the... Williams wrote Lost in Space? Yes, he wrote the oh. Lost in Space theme. Both of them. Okay. You know, this this one and this one. Oh. <laughs> Brain dump. What? It's a theme to Lost in Space, the first oh, the couple seasons. Credits. Oh, it's just, no, this is the beginning credits. This is the beginning credits. And then they go to this. That is after, I think that's like two or three seasons on. Okay. I like this a little better. Oh, I do too. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Ward, we're just talking about uh, flashback <laughs> from childhood, I think. Yeah. No, nah, that's cool. I, I always had a crush on that. Uh... Penny? 
Yeah. Yeah, me too. Who didn't? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I haven't been having a guest in because of this two-job thing, and it's, uh, I don't know if it's an excuse, because then I didn't have any job. There weren't too many more guests, <laughs> guests than there were when I do, do have jobs. So I apologize for that, but I did ask if anybody would call in, and luckily Ward is listening. Do you, like, tune in every week to see if I'm here or not? And if you do, I'm sorry, because I'm not I here. actually do, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I wish I could remotely um, control uh, what's being played at the station, but I can't do that. Um, and I, I do kind of ask people, but there's no show before me. I used to ask them to please put on an old show of mine. I just put up the Nick Redfern show from last week. I just now finally had time to do it. Yeah, I noticed that. Yeah, I heard that live last week. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I edited the part out I was supposed to. Oh, <laughs> oh thank you. You're welcome. Uh, so if you listened last week, you heard something you wouldn't normally hear. This is why you should listen every week in case we come in. Live. Because something might be said. That's especially true with the Bill Moore shows from years ago. Yeah, that, I know. Those, I didn't, those I didn't were hear edited. all those live, and I'm really pissed off because I guess you, uh, you, know, you dropped Falcon's name, and I'm like, damn, I no, missed No, I that. didn't. <laughs> I didn't drop Falcon. We never did on the air. Oh, okay. Not once. If I ever said that, it's not true, and I was lying or whatever. But no, no, I've, I've, I've never said it. Um now Walter's going, the little gears are ticking in his head. Oh, Why no, don't you use actually, it for no, the... Uh, no, actually, the theme of Lost in Space is running through my head. Because uh, <laughs> it is a great theme. It is. I mean, it's 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 geeky to like it, I guess. But it, you know, at some point in life, you get beyond that. And you're like, well, whatever. I mean, it's just fun. It's a fun, it's a fun theme. Uh, not, when I was driving here in the car, I was like, what the shit? What are we going to talk about? And the first thing that came to mind is somebody just sent me an email. Skylar actually sent me an email about the sky noises. Oh, yeah, and that they're from that movie, yeah. From a movie? What? Yeah. The, what the, movie? The, the, the trumpet sounds that are on the YouTube. Yeah. That are on the YouTube, on, on YouTube. Anyway, somebody, uh, a trained observer over on the Paracast forums, found a link and found that uh, those trumpet sounds originate from a movie called... Um, the Rapture? Oh, uh, what the hell. It's a movie with John Goodman called, like, Red Red something. It's about sort of like these Waco people. That, Red, Red State? What's that? Red State, the, uh, the the Kevin Smith movie. Right? Uh, no, I don't know if Kevin... No, it's got uh, John Goodman's in it. Um, I totally like lost. ATF kind of thing i could find it real quick for you I, huh. I don't that's know. interesting yeah and what did they say on the paracast that this explains all the sky noises oh no 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 Just okay that, good that, that the one that uh i mean it is you can hear the sound yeah on a couple of those youtube so, clips the, the ones they're claiming that are gabriel's trumpet are uh, definitely yeah okay. so people you yeah know, that's i didn't know that people think that it's like rapture noise i, I heard uh, uh linda moulton howell talking about this the other night and uh, of course oh god I think, now she's hooked on to it I, yeah and i think of course believing it and the, what passed through my mind was okay somebody's pulling one to make everybody think that you know it's the second coming um oh cool Oh, cool! Greg's showing me this his club, uh, golf club. <laughs> um, but uh, and, and it is cool. Good. I, Lord, I bought at, a. I bought a head on that. Thing. Yeah, I know. I bought a set of golf clubs, and this is, this is it was be at, good it radio. was at a Big Five that sells all this. You know, sells all the off brands or this, whatever. There's a brand called Alien Golf. So of course I had to buy it. This is good radio. Greg is showing me his club, and good God, look at the head on. Look that at thing. the size of that club. Holy crap! Look at that. It's a it's a one wood driver. <laughs> wow, um, but uh, yeah, I, I thought I thought it was going to turn out to be a damn hoax because yeah. it just you know. 
No, I mean, we talked about this on when Benal was on a few weeks ago, the, uh, the January 1st show. I was looking for stuff from last year, like what's going on, what's best of. And somehow I got all hooked into the sky noise thing, and I started looking around. So I asked him about it. He said, no, I don't know too much about it. And now Linda Howe's all into it, so it's going to be the next big thing. Yeah, they'll get, you know, like probably for a week. two to four years of mileage is my <laughs> guess. Out of it, and then no, I be, said a week. So yeah, yeah, you're somewhere closer to. What you got to remember said. that particular audience; they'll stretch it out a little bit. Somebody recently complained to me that they thought uh, Coast to Coast had uh, been taken over by Christian fundamentalists. Is that true? Because uh, I never listened to it. Uh, do you, with your view, listen to it? Uh, oh, I, I listen to, to it basically when naps on. I listen. I'll be honest with you. I, I hear it a lot because. Um, I'm usually doing other things on my computer and um, then to, to like log on to another show or the shows I like to listen to are, are on a lot earlier when I'm out. So I have coast to coast on my radio. It, it's just easier to turn the radio on that late. Um, and so I do listen to it a lot. And I, I don't know. I've never nothing gives me the impression that Christian fundamentalists have taken over that show. Taken over meaning uh, the audience really like when people oh. call in that's all they talk about. Oh, yeah. Well, what you get is um, what you get is very used to be, often you get guys um, used to be calling, kind of a mix. Yeah, well, you get guys calling in on a on a topic. You know, choose your your paranormal or new age topic, and they do their witnessing. I think what's happening is a lot of people. You know, they got to You know, the recent converts are the most zealous, and you know they got to do their public witnessing of Jesus. And so what they do is they go on a national radio show and they say. You know, in verse this, chapter that, chapter this, verse that, Jesus says, blah, blah, blah. And then, I'm, they, yeah, I'm, I'm not going to harp on Christians, like I say before. I'm going to harp on people that have, one, an inf inflexible belief system, and two, need to look something up in a book to make up their mind about it. That irritates me more than anything. And I don't care if it's Christians or Muslims or Buddhists or whoever you want it to, or, you know, po po political people. Right. Wait, where's the answer to this one? Wait a, a second, Greg. I, I had to re I had to read uh, Project Beta to make up my mind. <laughs> there you go. I was going to say no, no, we no, often no. Refer to they, literature. Yeah, well, no, they refer insight. to a infallible guide, a supposedly infallible guide to help them make decisions. Well, and, and you know why that is. And again, kind it, of like the uh, the I, uh, blue Kelly Blue Book. You know? I'm not ragging on Christians <laughs> either because you know I that's that's I essentially am that. And um, though not in what the churchgoers would consider it to be, yeah. um, and that's the funny thing. Um, the, but just to explain, it's, it's fundamentalist thinking again. To those who, 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 who don't get it, is the, you're getting into the whole idea of okay, here's the scripture, and if you don't take this at face value, you'll burn in hell, kind of thing. Yes, and so I, therefore, a it, guide it's like is fine. Fanatical Muslims with the Quran. Yeah, uh, suggestions. They, they, any any right. group of rules uh, to me are right. suggestions on how to live your life well, and treat if other it's people. By human if beings. you need it, great. Particularly if it's written by human beings, yeah. which the Bible is. And yeah. the whole thing about, well, it's uh -oh, the uh -oh, religion on the show. It's the inspired word of God. And you can argue that because then you say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Well, these men were inspired. Says who? Well, another part of the scripture. Well, they, they refer to the same guidebook to support 
Yeah. What backs up their guidebook? A bunch yeah. of people agreed because it was politically expedient exactly. at the time for them to exactly. say that this is divinely inspired. Exactly. That's my opinion, though. Well, wait a second. Isn't there a is there a single book on Earth that's not written by humans? I, mean, I guess maybe the Thank you, book, right? thank you, Ward. <laughs> thank you. That's why he's one of our favorite listeners. He gets it. Yeah. Oh no, no I'm not saying written by humans. I'm saying if as, if people use them to shut out their individual thinking about and 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 discernment and and decision making process instead of saying well let's let's think about this for a second they just look it up and say well that's the answer i mean there's no other, there's no more discussion yeah exactly which means things don't evolve well not only is there no more discussion there's no more rumination or thought or, yeah. or whatever about it all know? all this all thought should be evolving i think i mean I suppose, with the exception of moral things like don't steal or kill or things you know like why that, I don't mind talking screwing about with other people's lives. Yeah. You know why I don't mind talking about this to the extent we are? It's not politics and it's not ET. Thank God. <laughs> Those what, what was two, that last part you said? It's not politics and it's not ET. Oh, <laughs> I'm so fed up with those two th- topics. Really? Uh, maybe we should have Stephen Bassett on, then we can combine oh, the two my in one. God, <laughs> please, no, please, no. Uh, it, it, it's yeah. Hmm. But now he's going to um, hear it. We're making fun of Stephen Bassett. But, no, but we're I'm not. not. I we're don't, t- making fun I, of Walter's narrow-minded. You know, I, I don't think the audience has taken over by, for that particular show. I, I don't. Well, think Well, that's so. good. I, I can't remember who I'd heard that from, and he was kind of lamenting it. Some somebody who I'd met recently, and oh, I, I think somebody I work with actually. Yeah, and Can I'm I with ask you. you a question, and, Greg. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and 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 actually, Walter too. Um, uh, you guys were supposed to be on uh, not last Friday, but the Friday before on Don's show. Yeah, right. Yeah. Network what problems again. Stuff or what happened? Uh, network difficult. Network te- technical network difficulties oh, again. Crap. But oh, I'm on such a good show. I'm on tomorrow night. I'm on oh, tomorrow good. night at ten o'clock. Oh, superb! Well, I'll call in tomorrow for sure, Walter. Thank yeah, you. Thank you should. I can't be on any night night shows because I have two jobs and one of them is from four to midnight, so I can't do anything in the evening anymore. Hey, that that's his uh, pimp uh, hours. Yeah. Four to midnight. Oh, damn. Like four to eight or nine or so, I'm lining all the girls up, and then after nine up to midnight, I've got to get them out to the various places, um, and then uh, they take the bus back. It's really convenient. Yeah. yeah. You got a new pimp cup. Or what are, is that what they call? <laughs> we need pimp cups in here. And names like, you know, King, uh, King something or other. I don't know. So that's the only thing I could, you know, when we were driving, I was driving in, I just thought, whatever happened to the, uh, oh, the uh, to baby Jane, yeah, baby Jane. The um, the the sky noises because that's been around for a long time. I don't know why suddenly it's a big thing. And I also thought, as um, along those same lines, as what if there were sky noises like a hundred years ago? I don't think we had the. They probably have been going on for. I know they've been going on forever, well, and we just haven't had the communication around to tell every. Hey, somebody in Norway's hearing this too, or somebody you- in. In Ontario is hearing this. Or I whatever. may be getting the moniker wrong as far as association with the phenomenon, but isn't the that effect or that that thing called the Joinville Chorus? Isn't that something where there's like air or volcanic airs that were going through volcanic tubes? I've never heard of and, that, and it, and it causes almost like a singing type of sound. I've never heard of that, Walter. The, the, please elaborate. The Joinville Chorus. I, I'm pretty sure is. It's not. It's not like a, a bunch of guys in prison singing. See, I might be getting the names. I, I seem to remember it that way. But it's something where 
people in a certain place they hear what they think is singing yeah and um it is actually something coming out of a cave or or whatever oh. and it might be air or pressure but you know i was thinking too that um what i thought of was going to resist night, the temptation to look it up right now um what well i'm going to look it up in a second um, what i what i um was thinking of ward last night when we were uh talking about when they were talking about well the other night when they were talking about the sky noises was what if when if the, like the polar shift that's what came to my mind not so much gabriel and it's the end i was thinking of what if the earth is about ready to do this and there's stuff going on inside the planet that would cause noises like that to escape from caves and and such like that yeah it could I, there's a um, there's a history, at least in the United States, which I found out by reading John Keel and about and uh, some of Jim Brandon's stuff about uh, um, uh, sky noises or earth noises. Or I think uh, uh, there's a place in the east called um, I can't remember where it is. It's in the northeast, but it's there. There's it's something that sounds like right uh, cannon shots over this in a uh, kind of a lake valley area. Yeah. It's called the Modus Noise, M-O-O-D-U-S, or, yeah, M-O-O-D-U-S, and I guess it's named after the tribe or something around there. And it's been, it's been reported since, you know, since colonial times till there were people, when there were people writing it down. Yeah. And the Indians at the time said they that it had been going on for generations. Well, this might explain, too, the And silent. it wasn't trees, you know, freezing and cracking. It happens all year. This might also have been uh, involved with the ancient stories of the siren song. You know, you're hearing these what sounds like voices or, or singing yeah. or whatever. And, you know, they make up the, well, it must be the mermaids calling us to the rocks, that kind of thing. And, yeah. and it's very prominent, of course, in the Odyssey. When right, they, right. When they put the wax in their ears and tie Odysseus uh-huh. to the staff so right. he can hear it. Right, so and he doesn't doesn't jump off the ship. Yeah. There's uh, there are two books by um, oh, Scott, uh, the guy that was murdered. The, do you remember his name? Ward Scott Rogo. D. Scott Rogo wrote two books called NAD Nod, which is I believe an Indian word, and it's basically about um, ghostly or 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 uh, angelic music that people hear from time to time and been hearing it for centuries. Um, a friend of mine, uh, Robert Larson, actually, he was out in the desert, not near the singing sands, just somewhere out in the desert. And he heard this in the middle of the night one time when he woke up. Um, like he said, it sounded like very distant human voices singing, like a chorus of them. Kind, kind of uh, creepy, but he said he'd heard them too. And um, there, there's a documented history of... Uh, uh, whoa of uh anomalous uh either natural or or uh human sounding noise that people hear when they turn their head a certain way or in a certain time of the day or in a certain place so this time be related the to the music of the spheres yes yes that kind of stuff yeah because they say that some people you know ascended people or whatever are able to hear it yeah uh, you know greg that's something i wanted to ask you if i can but hey guys if i step over you i'm sorry i'm really having trouble hearing Oh, uh, let me put the phone sort of near the. Uh, uh, can you hear that a little oh, better? That's a lot better. Okay, yeah, right. I, yeah, I put you up near the speaker so you can actually hear what we're saying. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, I was well, really you... focusing on uh, on what you were saying and Walter. Um, um, but if you want to get back to the sound thing, that's fine. It's just there's something. Uh, I... No, interrupt whenever you like. It's fine. I mean, you're on the phone here, so. Yeah, and drop me off too whenever you like too, because um, I'd love to hear Carlos calling one of these days. Um, uh, anyways, uh, I, I forget it. if it was last week or the week before. I, I don't know. They're all meshed together for me anyways. But me too. 
Greg, you were talking about um, – it might have been when you had Chris O'Brien on, actually. I think this is it. Um, I Probably. I love when you have that guy on and Walter's on, and you guys can just wrap between sort of the triumvirate there. Um, you said there was a place in New Mexico, and it kind of reminded me of like almost not as bad as one of, one of Keel's Zone of Fears, but you said that even if you drive through there in the day, it's a bad, it's a bad feeling. Oh, I think Chris talked about that. And, and you said that even you drove through some area, and it wasn't, it wasn't the whole Rumsfeld thing, you know, or, or, or the area that he owns. It was something that you, you haven't mentioned, Greg, because you had driven there and you felt weird. I don't know if I felt weird. It just felt very... This was the, the northern road through the mountains, or at least this is how I remember it. Between, if you're going between... Um, Farmington, uh, northern part of New Mexico, and Taos. Yeah, you said dark. I'm sorry. You said dark. I did it in the dark? No, no. You said, I'm sorry. When I said weird, you said dark. You said even in the day, it it feels dark. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, I I drove. I I think this is what I was talking about. This was, I went out to New Mexico by myself in like 1989 or something when I first heard the Aztec story. When that book, um, what's it called? Uh, UFO Crashes Aztec by William Steinman came out. I read the book like a fanatic. I was like, I'm going to go out there. So I used, you know, I, I, I was working at the time, like what I think was my first job. And I, was, I, I bought myself a plane ticket, rented a car, drove out there and drove out to where. Uh, well, that's where you got chased, right? Yeah, yeah. I drove out to uh, Aztec. Um to to uh, yeah exactly to see where the, uh, the crash. supposedly the crash happened and the, I I had a weird feeling there and then I got chased and then the 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 other part of the trip was I was, I went up I went up to Dulce because I had heard stories about it <laughs> and how weird and scary it was and there was nothing there at that time there was no school there was no casino there was no nothing there was a store and a gas station and I I drove through there and and then I took this. I, I had been to Taos, I think, once, and I liked it a lot. So I, I took the northern route over um, over the mountains there, I think. I don't remember the name of the highway or the number. But, yeah, it was it was an overcast day, but I don't think I saw anybody else for like an hour and a half or two hours and just endless fields of snow and gray and and not too many trees. And it was it was kind of creepy. I don't know. Cool. And I, no, normally, I maybe I was just creeped out by the trip, but normally that kind of stuff just makes me happy. But at that point in my life, I guess it just creeped me now, out. Is that, is that also one of those areas in New Mexico, like right outside of uh, Las Cruces, where they have the signs that say, do not pick up hitchhikers. There is a prison in the No, local no, area. no. There, there's no prisons up in northern yeah. New Mexico. All, the, all, the only thing in northern New Mexico is um, underground bases, Bigfoot, um, cattle mutilations and um, uh, uh, funny funny deals with the Indian tribes for oil and gas. Oh, thank uh, God, because the prisoners, that's really scary. Yeah, and uh, uh, residual radiation and, and um, uh, horrible uh, poisoning from uh, uh, in the, of the groundwater from um, Gas Buggy and from uh, uh, Los Alamos. Is, is that's that all that's going on up there. to a zone of fear uh, for, for you, Greg, and, and for you, Walter? What, I, what was the first part of that? Uh, no, I was just asking, is that the closest that Greg has come to a zone of fear? And Walter, if you've ever come across a zone of fear. A zone of fear. Um, wow, now that you ask me that, yeah, yeah, there are... The, the, the closest I've come... There's one right come. here, listen. 
there's the sirens. Um, the I would say the closest I've come in recent years. Oh, they're loud. Okay, hold on. We're going to let the sirens go by. That one kind of had a funky European thing. All needs is an ear, ear. And um, our, in my ley line research, I found specific little spots that kind of have... Uh, bad feelings. Oh yeah. Um, uh, one that in, pit. Yeah, that pit that I've shown you, oh. creepy pit. And um, also, while investigating Death Valley with an associate of mine, Craig Googles, who Greg knows, um, and his sister Sierra, we were uh, doing a few years back. We were researching the old stories of the entrance into the Hollow Earth stuff, just to see if you know anything we could find any entrances. And there was this one particular mine, one of the old abandoned mines. Oh, I didn't go and, with you on that one. And Craig suddenly got just a really creepy feeling. Let me tell you, Craig's kind of a ballsy, intrepid guy. I mean, he'll yeah. nothing spooks him. And um, he got a real bad feeling, and I kind of heeded his reaction to it. Meanwhile, Sierra, she goes off, you know, hi-ho into the, you know, didn't feel it. But, um, you know, there's that, and there's the, uh, you know, the weird pit. But the weird pit has not always been negative. It's just the associations, but... I've never had a, a I think any a, a I've never heard that that uh, a term really. I, I like mean, that word. That's I, good. I, I, I like I like that phrase, zone of fear. Oh please, I didn't make that up. That's in Keel's Mothman book. Really? Okay. Yeah. Well, then I guess I have heard. Ward, of it. what the hell are you doing trying to lift Keel's comments? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> really? I, I got to point that out. I'm not going to rip off Keel, my lord. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a whole book named after a Keel quote. So. Wake up down there, man. Yeah. See, see, Greg, Greg and I are to that point where we've started forgetting what stuff we've read. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm embarrassed. Mm-hmm. Thanks for reminding me. No, I've never had really a, a zone of fear thing where that I can remember that I couldn't put down to me just freaking my own self out as the probably the major cause. Okay. Except when I was yeah. at that uh, supposed Aztec site. Where I just started feeling really uneasy, and there was no reason really for me to do that. It was just I was just there's nobody around. I mean, normally I don't feel I like being alone, and I don't I like when nobody's around. And I felt like somebody was watching me. I, I think and then mine, like ten minutes later, it turned out somebody was, and I saw them. I think mine is more situational. Actually, I think it depends on there are moments, yeah, and situations where the you know the little hairs stand up on the back of the neck, and I say, "Whoa, this is not a good situation," or "Whoa, there's something else here." So, Ward, it's not so much the place as something I'm sensing that's there at the moment. I, well, that would make sense with your with your military training and your uh, you know undercover work and stuff. Well, also with paranormal shit. I mean. Some of that is, um, uh, uh, you know, experiences related to the non-professional that where I've just got that feeling that there's somebody else here and you may not be able to see them, but they're here. Wow. Yeah, see, that, that kind of blows me away. Yeah, and, and How about you? you? That describe an actual zone. I mean, literally he said he could, he could drive his car into it very slowly at yeah, one did. or two miles an hour. Yeah. And then he'd be overcome with the with that feeling and then just... Then just want to floor it and get out of there. It was like 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 sixty feet. I mean, very right. a small area, but it was literally a, a, a an area. Yeah. Hmm. So. That's yeah. That that to me is an interesting concept. Um, very that, much so. That ever happened to you, Ward? Uh. Well. Oh gosh. No. No. Um. Most of the stuff is all. Uh, um. 
I mean, I hate to say it, but it's all just uh, um, theoretical for me. I mean, I just I love listening to you guys, and I love reading your books and and all. The, but it's just it's never apply. It's never applicable to me personally in my own life. Well, if you it, it, it wouldn't have been to me or Walter either. It's just that we went out and started looking at this. I mean, I wasn't writing anything or anything. I was just curious and. I was just getting interested in UFO stuff again. It's like, what the hell? Let's just drive out to New Mexico and see where this damn thing crashed. Because yeah, I knew all about Roswell and all that. And it's like, well, I hadn't heard of this. Let me go check it out. I went and checked it out myself. It's just, you know. That's amazing. Did, uh, one quick question, um, and kick me off whenever you want. But uh, did, you, um, did you ever, uh, um, um, as far as guests are concerned, did you ever have any success getting Peter Robbins back on? He will be back on, and it's just that he was so busy that he couldn't even. He's, you know, he answered me in two emails and said, "Greg, I am so busy right now. It is, it is insane." And it, he was basically he was getting ready for, um, uh, what's it, the 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 Laughlin, but it, now it's in what Mesquite, is that, uh, the national UFO, what's it called UFO Congress. Congress? Is that over now? Was that over today? It or? was over this. It was yeah this weekend. It was okay. Chris O'Brien's there. So. Um, that will be in a couple of uh, either next week or the week after, I think, depending on if he has time. Um, yeah, Peter will come back on. And I have has he been on any other shows discussing the the uh, Sasha Christie Rendlesham? No, no, I haven't heard him. No, I haven't. Okay, good because I was like, geez, if I have him on in two weeks, he would have talked about it five times already. And you know who cares about? Nobody's going to. I won't won't have heard it, but everybody else will have. So why bother? But that's that's good news. So I'll mm-hmm. get in touch with him here. Um, just tomorrow, just, I think. Just for the listeners at home who may not be familiar with that, in a nutshell, what is the Sasha Christie? Uh, there was a thing. document uh, unearthed, I guess, a while ago, but nobody paid too much attention to it. This is this is uh, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, word. And the, what the document is is a report from some sort of psychological conference in the 19 late 80s, I guess, or early 90s, by two women. Um, describing the Rendlesham incident as a high-level psychological testing warfare situational uh, thing. That's interesting, and that makes that feels like it makes good sense. It does, but some of the stuff that you know, it doesn't explain everything unless you go way off the map and just decide that you know mind control technology and the ability to project something physical, anything you could possibly think of, in front of people. Um, was perfected at that point, and you have to you have to have radiation too, and radiation, and you know, I, it's not. I don't suppose it's out of the realm of possibility, um, and I would have to read the document, you know. And the other thing is, has anybody's any you know is anybody going to check if these women that supposedly gave this paper actually exist? Was that conference actually convened anywhere? Is there a record of it? Because that's you know that's the first step. Wait a second, Greg. Don't be a journalist. Wait a second. Because be... <laughs> you know, if you've been looking on the list, that's the first. That's the first thing I said, and people are like, "Well, it's impossible." It's like, let's just get back to if this document is proved in any way to be false. What? There's no debate. There's yeah. nothing like it could have been in this and that, and the military yeah. wouldn't have done. Prove the document. Yeah, first. I mean, I'm I'm totally open to that possibility. I think I think it'd be interesting, intriguing. I don't know about well, wonderful, let's but it just, would be just for a moment, just interesting. For if chuckles and grins. Let's let's explore. Like for instance, because I say, asked you about it last week when Nick was on a little bit. I'm doing a brain dump. On yeah, that. well, I just edited the audio, so now I. 
Um, uh, when you say project a physical thing, what, give me an instance in the Rendlesham case that uh, would have to all be the all the um, airmen. Uh, came up and they saw this thing landed on the ground. It was glowing in these very strange colors. Um, And a few of them saw beings next to it. A couple people went up and touched it. Right. So it was apparently physical. And then there was residual radiation and all kinds of other weird stuff that went on there. Who's to say that that device, though, wasn't some advanced military craft of some sort? Well, um, no, you're right about that, Walter. Um, I'm messing the names up here, but... uh, the guy with the glasses who said he had all this binary code in his head. Um, oh, um, Warren? Yeah, no, it wasn't Warren. It was um, the one that Kevin Randall says he. The other, the, I think last week I heard an interview with Kevin Randall, and he was saying, "Is that the one guy?" He, he says, "No, no, that, no, that's not. That's not the one guy." Okay. Uh, Warren was the one who said that he saw aliens or some kind of thing. That okay, like yeah, that yeah, and then he was taken underground for debriefing and right. kidnapped, basically, and all that Men in Black type yeah, his, stuff. His, his story is the wacky story of all of theirs. The rest right, of them seem what, reasonable. That's what Randall feels, yes. Okay. Um, but no, it was Peniston. Sorry, Peniston. That's the one. Peniston oh yeah, Jim is Peniston, the one who wrote all the stuff down in his notebook. Yeah, and he said he actually jumped on this thing. Well, if it were an advanced military craft, not something from another world, it would be a physical, real thing. Of course, you could jump on the thing. Sure. That, yeah. But but it could still be something that's all part of you know we've got this craft. Let's use it in this psych operation. See my point? Yeah. You know, and I think it's amazing. I mean, I, I I do think it's a possibility. But Walter would know this as well. Um, Maybe this is the same sort of thing that happened at, at Maelstrom with uh, with Robert Salas. Oh, when the the missile thing shot or shut down and all when that. When the missile started shutting down and, and the, the the guys were freaking out above him. Um, yeah, think. I mean, I mean, come on, think about it. That that's not like um, little unicorns came flying in on floating lily pads. <laughs> that was a mechanical device shut down. Okay, um, uh, there was some remote way to do that that these particular guys might not have been briefed in on. But Walter, the only thing that scares me about that uh-huh. possibility yeah. is that. Those were our tactical nukes. Right. We needed those. You know, I mean, we need them at any given time. Well, that gets into the question word of, or did we? That's a whole other can of worms. Oh, shit. Well, yeah, that's... I guess I did buy into that whole Cold War mentality. But but remember, and and I was a Cold War too. And um, uh, who's the guy that wrote the book with him? The guy that I don't like? uh, Robert Hastings? Hastings, yeah. Well, I I don't like some of his opinions. I personally have no... But yeah, if you talk to them, they 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 will tell you that they were you know they've talked to other soldiers, they've right. talked to other people that were around there, they've talked to third hand witness, second hand witness, not second hand, but uh, witnesses at the time that saw lights, and you know there was a flap going on at the time, and you know there's there's a lot of um, there's a lot of gray area in there. Well, the the thing about that case that's always intrigued me, and I'd love to hear Walter's opinion on this, and that is that that when he said he was debriefed, he was debriefed by um, AFOSI. And Who, uh, Warren seem, said that? Uh, 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 Robert Salas said that. Salas said that. Uh, yeah. Well, you, well yeah, sa- that, make, that makes uh, sense. Yeah, and, and, and he, but what, what, it's not just that it's AFOSI. He just said that the, uh, the officers were just completely, um, just, they were just like nonchalant, like they were just writing this down, and they were really uninterested in their reaction or right. what it was. It was almost like it was a drill. They were just recording this stuff down and said, okay, thank you, you can go. And it's like, wow, that's always disturbing about that case. Well, but see, that that speaks volumes to me. I mean, look, I wasn't a missile officer. I was a, a, an Air Force OSI special agent and an officer. 
And I, from what you're telling me, you know, from when I hear that, that to me confirms my suspicions even more that it was some type of exercise or a drill. Um, and, you know, debriefed by OSI, um, we, you know, I've said before, OSI has a section that uh, is involved with um, technology uh, protection. And, um, you know, so they would use the agent in that capacity to, to do the, the briefings and the debriefings and stuff. So it, the, the whole thing, everything we've said here tonight that you've said about it sounds to me like an exercise. Um, and, you know, lights in the sky, the whole thing, that can be, that can be, you know, what's the word for it? Duplicate. It, it can be done and, you know, perception management. It's all in the presentation. Yeah, I remember you saying that, Walter. Uh, the only other thing that is intriguing about, uh, well, like I think even Greg pointed this out, or someone did on that follow-up uh, for Rendlesham, is that when um, when uh, uh, Robbins was there with Warren, and oh, they yeah. went back those years later, and he went out there and he saw lights and heard screams in the field, then they someone would have had to have targeted him. You know what I'm saying for yeah. perception management? Either that, or you know, it's a mixture of the two. Where you know, because uh, Peter and other people have said that, that, and Nick even said this, that area of England, that particular geographic location, has a incredibly long history of strangeness. Of, you know, uh, uh, devil dogs and... and, and Fairy the, rings. Uh, things like that. It, it has a paranormal history. And the, the fact that all this weird stuff happens on top of that in that area either means, you know, um, they're using the... We talked about this, too, the, you know, where... You would have. It's a lot easier to if you want to, you know, boot something up and freak people out. It might be easier in some areas than other. I mean, I'm, just, I'm totally talking off the top of my head and uh, BSing now, but it, it 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 would seem to make sense to me if you had this technology to create strange things. That if that environment existed already, oh, this this is the analogy I made. It's a lot harder to make it rain when there's no clouds. Mm. Yeah, I like that. Cloud seeding. Yeah. Well, you know, we have to consider, um, you know, Joseph Farrell's uh, the, uh, a proponent of the theory that, uh, you know, that um, uh, this whole thing about the alien invasion and, and all this is to a great deal being staged and, and presented to, um, you know, kind of pull a fast one on the peoples of the world. By whom? Well, Other the, peoples of the world? Uh, the, the people that want to control the peoples of oh, the world. Okay. And, and the conspiracy uh, theorists will will enjoy this particular one. But, uh, you know, I, I would say in a, on a more practical, outside of theoretical um, arena or, or whatever I'm trying to say. <laughs> I can't put my words, uh, yeah, put it into so words. Walter's I, starting to sound like me now. I would say, a you know, just a simple... Testing your people to see how they react to any kind of situation that to them is totally unexpected and something that they could not um, uh, imagine, and just to see how they'll react. Number one, it could, folks, be just that. Or, if you want to get sinister, it could have been something to contribute to the whole mythology of here come the aliens. And, um, you know, there are people who have that theory that they're going to stage an alien invasion so that kind of a cosmic 9-11, so that, you know, it's just easier to get everybody into compliance. With... Yeah, it's, it's an awful thought, but, you know, but you also that other, you haven't touched on that other one. Uh, yeah, I'm saying that's a theory. The that's not that something uh, I buy yet. What's that? Uh, sorry, the one that you haven't touched on, and that is that um, um, basically uh, Mac Tony's whole crypto terrestrials, that, uh, you know, the thing at Roswell was them. 
was them was underground was was, was another civilization. Oh, oh the, yeah, absolutely. The stuff that, of course, you know, yeah, you've heard me talk about, like what my dad told me and what I've written about, and right. you know, Mac mentioned that in his book, and uh, Mike Mott has been. Uh, we have a lot of listeners right now, actually, time. Walter. Yeah. Maybe you could describe very shortly what your father did tell you. Okay, yeah. Um, my dad, over the years... Well, he's, he's gone over it on this show, but I want people yeah, to hear. Yeah, he, he started in the 70s uh, first telling me essentially about Roswell before um, I had ever heard Roswell, and before I was aware that it was ever mentioned publicly. Um, His father, who was in the Air my, Force. My dad was in the Air Force in the late 50s, and he worked in a physiological training unit, and his unit at George Air Force Base tested the Mercury pressure suits, the silver space suits you see in the movie The Right Stuff, which John Glenn and Alan Shepard and all them wore. My dad's unit at George did the ground tests for that. And so because he worked in the early space program, uh, the clearances and the accesses that uh, my dad and the guys in his unit had were astronomical, no pun intended. And um, he had, over the years, told me and my sisters, uh, you know, little bits about Roswell. And this started well before the first book about it came out. And so when, uh, really, when the book came out and I saw it, I got it and I showed it to my dad. I'm like, oh, my gosh, this, somebody's written about it. And um, his story, his story, he would tell he told me a little bit more as the years went on. But I will say this. Never did his story ever change or conform to what the lore was. In fact, he always insisted that the idea that they were little greys was essentially bullshit. He said they were as human as we were. The only difference he noticed when he was shown the bodies was that they were hairless, but that they were as human as we were, we are. And that he was briefed that they came from a, a civilization that's subterranean. And that it happened, and the reason he was briefed on this was that it happened again in the late 1950s. What happened was this craft came from this civilization, it crashed on the surface. It happened again in the late 50s. And my dad, uh, according to him, was part of a military uh, effort to help these people find their lost pilots. There was some technology transfer that went on, and uh, but my dad always swore that, you know, he, it bothered him that the whole E.T. thing was being, you know, the idea that being kept secret because it was a threat, he felt that was ridiculous. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that that's kind of it in a nutshell, and as Greg could tell you, we could go on and on about yeah, the details. Yeah, we could, and there's a couple of questions that came up in my mind as you say this that I've never yeah. asked you before. Uh-huh. Um, one, why did he tell you? Is it because you had clearances at the time? Uh, yeah, I was the one most interested among us three kids. And of course, uh, you know, I learned a lot more about it when I, uh, you know, cause I worked for the FBI first. And then when I went into the air force, um, I, it was a situation where my dad opened up to me more. Also, I became trained and adept and experienced it let's say interviewing people actually kind of what we could it's really in a style of unwitting interrogation yeah. and um and also i was kind of guided to ask him about these things okay. um two did i guess he never signed anything saying he couldn't talk about it or did uh, he of course good lord he was he, he was you know 
he, he didn't tell me everything by any means. He, right. he, he told me what he well, felt this is comfortable like and totally, what I drew out of him. Totally like way out of left field stuff. And the only time I've ever heard it is from you. Not to say that it's false, but it's just like, you know, it's yeah. intriguing. And, and, and here's what I've said before, and I've said it to you. I've said it in other shows and stuff. When I, you know, by the time I was an agent and I learned how to, you know, I, I was a little bit experienced and, and trained and such in being able when I talk to somebody to see the tells and the ticks that tell me they're being dishonest. I can tell you this. My dad absolutely believed he was telling the God's honest truth right. when he told me the stories of being underground in eastern Arizona and encountering these people and one of the guys in his team being killed when one of these people from underground uh, just simply pointed this hollow tube device at the guy and the the air force guy just dropped dead he was dead before he hit the ground the my dad telling me that just a couple of years before he was murdered um my dad telling me that i'm telling you if it was planted in his head it had to have been because yeah. he really he believed this happened okay he was telling it's, the truth as he knew it i've got a completely different you know angle of it than you but uh, you know just the very small thing that i've told you about where mm -hmm. my dad said he could my dad who was in the air force um probably about the same time yours was um stationed overseas but um after he got back he had a clearance to work on rocket fuel and mm -hmm. he he told me about one experience he had with one of these rocket fuels that was you know very explosive and it you know it, it made him lose his hearing for a couple of days all this and i asked him what the rocket what the substance was and he said he couldn't tell me and this was rocket fuel right and how many years ago yeah, 1958. Yeah. So it's kind of amazing that your dad would tell you something that seems way, way, way more classified, and that you can talk about it now on the show with me and have written about it. Well, and, you know, I... I I've because been, you didn't sign something and he I've, did? Or? I've been more open about it since he died, because they can't hurt him now. Right. And I, I know how they work. They'll, if, if I really say something they don't want me to say, somebody will reach out. Right. And, you know, when I that, get the phone call and knock on the door and I'm called yeah. captain, I, I know somebody means business. Yeah. That and uh, the story is just so wacky that they're it's saying, guaranteed not to have nobody too many people him. listening to Nobody will believe. Yeah. That, that, and that's what they'll say. And, and that's why I have to recognize that it could have been something that was planted in his head to cover for a much more mundane thing that he worked on. But I right. will tell you he he had the clearance he had the access um what's interesting was the time that i had the independent verification that with the conversation with bill moore mm -hmm. you know and uh, you know of I got what the name oh yeah the 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 officer's name who was on the plane the guy on the plane yeah, yeah the guy on the plane <laughs> And uh, that that was kind of that one was even after years of this that one kind of perked me up when my dad rattled off that name for the first time in yeah. all the years when I Did, when I asked him what happened was that didn't Bill give you that name Bill and gave me the name. And then you told your dad, and he said, oh, yeah. No, 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 no. I did no. not tell my dad the name. I'm oh, smarter okay. than that. Remember, okay. oh, that's right. I'm that's a counterintelligence. Right. I'm a counterespionage agent. Right, right, okay? right. Um, no, no, I, I should know this, too. When I, when I, I got talked my to dad into the like, conversation, and yeah. I said, hey, you know what? Remember when you were on the plane, and the guy came out and, and gave you guys the briefing, and, you know, that... that the briefing that, was that, that guy we're that, going to write Patterson to look yeah, at... Yeah, we're going to write Patterson instead of Texas, to, and, and you'll be briefed in when you get there, but... You know, this is classified, that kind of thing. And I said, what, what was that guy's name again? And my dad rattled off the name just instantly. Oh, you mean Major so-and-so. 
And I was like, yeah, 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 that's him. But I got to tell you, inside, my, my agent side was going, bingo, did it again. Drew out what, yeah. you know, a little piece. But it blew me away because, I mean, I got goosebumps sitting yeah. there. I, yeah. I think we were at, like, uh, Old Country Buffet or something like that. You and there. your dad? Yeah. yeah. And uh, when he said that, I'm, I'm just trying to be nonchalant about it. But inside, I'm like, oh, my God. Because yeah. my dad does not know Bill Moore. No. You know, well, he didn't. He's dead now. The, uh, the, 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 you say that about Bill and it's like, Jesus, you know, there's a, he totally got disinterested in it and there's, he has a lot of information sitting in his head that's gone now. He's not dead, but it's just inaccessible to people now. Just little tiny bits of information like that that make yeah. people that know what they're talking about, what they're heading towards and what they're yeah. researching go, that's just what I needed. I mean, right. that happened a hundred times when I was doing Project Beta, but I'm sure it's, yeah. you know, he planned it that way, but... Well, and this is one of the things we're going to And he talk- wasn't totally happy with the book, unless he was fooling with me. This is one of the things. What I just told you, I, before... Are you still there, Ward? Oh, yeah. No, I'm wrapped with the attention, because Bef- you've mentioned the name before, and, and anybody out there... Uh, Download all those past episodes, and it is in there, that name. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just say the name. I mean, it's it's not... Did I promise no, no, Bill keep, that keep I wouldn't? Secret. What the heck? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Let him go back and listen to the episode. Um, you know, yes, listen to all the here's shows. Here's the thing. You can read about this. I did, before my dad was murdered, um, uh, I did write an article, and I did it under my pseudonym on this without identifying him. And uh, Fate Magazine ran it in their hardcover edition, The Best of Roswell. Because they felt that it was, you know, yeah, something uh, new and, and worthy uh, of, and and we're going to talk about this later. But these these are the kinds of things that have motivated and inspired the alternative universe eye conference that we're going to talk about later. Because this is the kind of thing, you know, I I've never been asked to be on, uh, you know, certain other venues to talk about this, you know, and yet. Mac Tony's put it in his book. Fate right. Magazine has put it in their book. Kevin Smith has had me on numerous times. Greg's had me talking about this. Don Ecker, you know, and and so this we'll talk about the conference later because these this is just one of the. I'm not the only one, but there are alternatives to the ET, you know, religion uh, dogma. Yeah. And well, it's the, not the crypto stuff has gotten very popular lately for some reason. And, good. And and, and uh, I mean I know you know this is just an alternate thing, but I'm just saying it's. It's taken, you know, a couple of years for this thing to catch on, but right. I really would think that that this is first-hand, well, second-hand from Walter, but this is extraordinary first-hand information from his father about this, and and um, you would think it would take off more. Now, does this more, does this kind of Walter mm-hmm. uh, uh, kind of mesh with the whole? Was it was it Shaver that wrote about that stuff? Yeah. About the underground dwellers? Uh, in, in a different way. In, in Much a different, different way. way. Here, here, here's what my dad told me that he was told and what he knew about these people was that long time ago when there was a surface cataclysm on the earth. Is this beginning to sound familiar? Um, uh, uh, several plus, people. Plus, uh, Shaver was absolutely insane. But anyway. <laughs> well, the same could be said about me and my dad. But. Um, uh, a long time ago, there was a surface cataclysm, and many people um, went underground. 
uh, for safety and, and I guess knew about or, or discovered that there were habitable areas. Now, when you look in mythology and such, we have stories of this, you know, of course. And they went down there. And the Nazis when, looked for it. Yeah, when things cleared up up here on the surface, a lot of people returned to the surface. And, of course, there's the explanation for our caveman stories. Um, but but some of them chose to stay down there, and their civilization developed um, independently of what we did on the surface. He What he told me was is that uh, they want really their... They want nothing to do with us. They want to have their civilization separate from ours up here. They, uh, of course, are willing to cooperate when it's necessary. But um, th- th- and this is what he was told. But they really they they want to be independent and separate from us. But they are as human as we are. They've just developed their senses and their technology um, differently than than we have. And they're hairless. Here. Well, it, well, the ones he saw, the, the Roswell bodies, he described as hairless. And we we must outnumber them quite a bit. Mm, I, well, it would make I, I I would I wouldn't disagree with that, but I, I've never really thought too much about that idea. But I I wouldn't disagree with that. I don't have any reason to disagree with that. You know, because the outer would be larger. But then again, they say the landmass on the inside is more than on the outside. I guess I guess you'd have to go down below the uh, below the layers of the oceans as well. I mean, if, if you were that yeah. deep. Well, his the, his description was that it's more like there's subterranean pockets uh, that are pretty big and habitable, as opposed to a traditional hollow globe. Although I'm not opposed to the idea of a hollow globe, because as we know, the moon was reported by NASA as being hollow up until we decided to start putting men up there, and then they shut up about that. About the ring, yeah, but there's got to be a limit to the depth as far as pressure is concerned. Yeah, well, um, I, I'm sure there's factors that would limit yeah. how many people. But so, yeah, they could. It could be an interesting uh, thing situation where there's fewer of them, but their technology, for some reason, whatever the reason, might be more advanced than ours. So that's the great equalizer. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah and maybe the the environment is just only sustainable for a certain amount of living things. Sure. <clears throat> Excuse me. Theoretically. And again, this is not something I claim to have seen or experienced myself. This is all coming from, you know, my dad before he died. Yeah, but the, the, just that you, the, I mean, I'm, I really am blown away more about those details now, especially since you, uh, I think that book came out, in the, um, the first Roswell book came out in 79. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that you you heard about it before then, and it was I rem- part of kind of your lore. Yeah, I remember. Never changed the story. I remember my dad first mentioning it, starting to mention it, like around seventy one or seventy two. I mean, I was eight and nine years old, and he had all the look and life classic magazines about UFOs that had been released in the sixties. Well, he and was he, just a UFO wacko. He, then. He, he, yeah, he was just a UFO wacko. But he was interested <laughs> in it. We talk about it, and that's when he started talking about the idea that. You know, something, you know, what if something kind of crashed and we found it and blah, blah, blah. I mean, again, in the early 70s, early mid 70s, before, you know, I knew what Roswell was as we know it today. So, you know, I have to wonder, hmm, what's what's going on? That hollow tube that that thing pointed at him Uh or, or, or. That he was told about. Could you go into more detail about that? He basically told me that what they knew about it was that they it, it was a, a yes, we're talking psychokinetic kind of stuff, wow. where it was this. It looked like a hollow. Now remember, remember, 
you know, if we don't understand a technology, we call it magic, right? I mean, right. there could it could have been something very mechanical, even that just because it was so advanced, you know, to our 1958 minds that you know he, he they just didn't understand it. So it was like, oh, it's a psychic thing, blah blah. You know, <laughs> the, it, it might have been something that simply tapped into the electricity of the body. And, you know, uh, the squeeze of an arm muscle fires it off, triggers it. You know, it could have been just that. But that's what it looked like, and that's what happened to the guy that it killed. And, um, you know, he told me the name of the the man who was running the project um, that they were all working under. Um, I'm not prepared to, at this moment, talk about who that man was, but he's involved in some other things. And um, uh, it, uh, 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 he told me about – now, when he was on his deathbed, the year he was dying, um, after he, my dad was attacked by a former employee uh, brutally, viciously. The guy's sitting his ass in jail right now. Good. And, um, but it took my dad almost a year to die from this attack. And uh, in his hospital bed, he told me even more about what went on on that project. Um, and uh, uh, he told me about little technology transfer. There was a, an aircraft that we provided to them, um, which I found interesting because, you know, if they have these advanced Roswell, yeah, what whatever, blah, blah, blah. What do they care? Yeah. A- apparently this little aircraft we gave them, you know, was something they could use. You know, yeah. um, but uh, all I know, all I can say is what he told me, and I've got the notes on it elsewhere. I, I had, didn't know I was going to be talking about it tonight, or I would have brought those, because you know he's been dead now since two thousand eight. So. Um, oh man, uh, but this is so intriguing, Walter. I mean, uh, I really never really kind of looked at it with new eyes like this before. I mean, I've always kept the possibility open, of course, but this almost kind of sort of resonates with that whole thing about how this other civilization that we think is ET is always just seems to be. Just, just a little bit ahead of us technologically. Right. Yeah. They're they're not so far ahead of us that they could take us on and wipe us out at any time. Or, or, or I'm sorry, they would have shown themselves. I mean, come on. Look, but, look at look at the nature, and particularly if they're humans. Right. Um, look at human nature, and and so you know, absolutely. This is why I'm so opposed to the idea of whenever I hear somebody on any show or in any book say any they're civilization, advanced, with so an, they're going to be a, yeah. A, if they're evil. that advanced, then they're going to have conquered their desire for war or treachery. Oh. Please stop the bullshit. But you if, know, Walter, especially, especially if they are us, or just yeah. maybe a, a, a you know a, a, um, a parallel a parallel civilization well, that's had more time, then it would make sense that they're yeah. going to have all of our aggressive tendencies. Ooh. They're going to still have the warlike nature, well, but they're just going to be technologically ahead of us by a little my, bit. Exactly. Well, Ward, are you familiar with basically what was going on in the mid-19th century? Are you familiar with the, the John W. Keeley and, and, of course, what Tesla was doing and, of course, the Sonero, Sonora Aero Club and all that? Uh, uh, yes, yeah, somewhat. I'm, history, I'm, I'm a fan of history. Uh, you but, really... Uh, not, you, like, super in-depth. In, uh, you in depth really... You really should jump into that. I'm really neck deep in that stuff right now because it, it's resonating with something I've been investigating. And um, so I'm really into it right now. And I, it, it's all that stuff really is evidence towards um, a breakaway technology, a, a breakaway. I don't want to call it a breakaway civilization, but more of a breakaway society that in the late 19th century – 
they discovered something, they developed something, and this allowed them to maybe, you know, there's the legend, uh, 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 Castile, Sean Castile's written about it, others have, about the legend of this journey to Mars in 1908 that Tesla provided the technology for. This is what Sacherie based his uh, Wonder of the Worlds on. People need to read Wonder of the Worlds by Sacherie because, you know, it is all inspired by uh, uh, historical, you know, facts and facts. And published by Walter. And, and yes, I do publish it. (laughs) Give give me a book, Walter. I mean, I'm... I'm, It is a great book. Well, okay, start with Theo Pyman's uh, um, Free Energy... Oh, my gosh, Pioneer, John Worrell Keeley. Oh, yeah. But Theo Pymans, P-A-I-J-M-A-N-S, there may be two N's there, a fantastic book. It's a must-read. And then also read Michael Busby's um, The 1897, 1897 or 1896 Airship Mystery Solved. Um, Did I give you that back finally? No, uh-uh. Oh, I, I know where it is. It's in the... okay. Good because I, I need to jump into it now because I'm 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 I've uncovered some new things about the airship mystery that's associated with Empire of the Wheel. <gasps> that's the first time publicly I've ever said that. Well, you've ruined like it. it. I just wait for your book. <laughs> oh, you might want to. I appreciate that. But seriously, as a good background, read Theo's book on Keeley. And and read Michael Busby's book. Michael Busby's Michael Busby's not a naysayer on it. He's not. He doesn't poo-poo the whole thing. Solved doesn't mean that you know he's coming from the skeptics' angle and it's all garbage. Um, he he's just he, he just did a really good analysis of the available details and dug some you know stuff out on it. And and I've made some new discoveries about it that um, are just blowing me away. And yeah, it's it is. I've I've found the connection between my empire of the wheel and and what's going on there i know what i was going to say i forgot it for a second i think we make a mistake in thinking that some advanced civilization whatever it might be or advanced intellectually or whatever would be evil or not evil or whatever i think that our we're already jumping to our own definitions of what's peaceful and what's not peaceful right exactly you know um i think it has to do with you know what game they would play to either be left alone or get the dominance in a way that wasn't obvious or there's all kinds of you know there's there's a lot of different ways of thinking about it and people make the mistake of jumping into the science fiction you know the science fiction they're here to take our dna and you know rape our women and all that yeah. or the new agey they're here to help us and give us all the technology well, i mean it's it's just it's that's another dichotomy that's yeah. so rooted in our way of thinking that we're already we've closed ourselves off to the possibility of what might be going on like like Whitley Strieber's thing about them taking right. over in the most democratic way possible by just like exposing rank and file um Random people to the presence and seeing what happens. Yeah. Man, you know, Greg, you're, yeah, you've got a good, you've got a good way of stepping back and looking at the whole picture and just saying, wait, let's not, let's not make a judgment here. Let's just keep our minds open about this because, you know, it's funny you mentioned Whitley Strieber and um, something he hasn't really mentioned in many of his books, but he's talked about it and, ta- and talk about that this doesn't fit into any mold. He had once asked basically the visitors or people who said visitors to. Um, they had asked him if they had, could do something for him, and 
and it was in a, in a state of mind where, you know, he could have just, well, you know, land on the White House lawn or, or show me one of your flying saucers or something along those lines. But he just responded quickly and as, uh, you can show me one of your children. And he was answered a few months later where he, he claims that he was in an airport and uh, he, he had encountered one of his grays in heavy makeup with uh, at least two of two some, some kind of Nordics or something that were there. And the two Nordics, one of them was a child and the other one was an adult, and one of them, um, and they were carrying, like, really run-down golf clubs. I remember them saying that. Like, it's just really bad cover. And this gray was in, like, heavy makeup and clothes. And the younger uh, Nordic, who was supposedly, I guess, the child, started playing patty cake with this other Nordic, but incredibly fast. And <laughs> he just said it was so, it got so qu- quick, it was a blur, and then they ended, and people kind of stood around, scratching their head, not knowing to make of this, and one, of, one guy said to him, said, did you see that? And Whitley supposedly said, I don't know. And then everybody promptly forgot about it. Yeah, I know, it's weird. I kind of some, sometimes forget about that story. <laughs> no, I mean, I, it, it's the that Oz Factor thing where... And it's not mind control by aliens. It's that that um, Dean Radin thing. Your brain doesn't have a box well, to put you know, it in. One of, one of my things going back to if they're so advanced, it just falls <laughs> off the table. If they're advanced, they must be amazing and wonderful. Now here's what here's what I get. What gets me? Okay. Sorry, we, Walter. We're talking about <laughs> what? Sorry, Walter. We're talking about the stuff you didn't want to talk. about. No, that's about. okay. But we're talking about <laughs> it in a different way than it's usually talked about. Yeah, and, yeah. and we're pointing nonsense out. Okay. And yeah. or. Let me rephrase that. We're pointing out things we disagree with. These same people who say, <laughs> these same people say, wow, if they have such advanced technology, they're so peace-loving and they've conquered all the bad stuff and they're here to guide us into our better vibration so yeah. that well, we you're can putting be better assisted everything souls. that you want onto something. Yeah, but here's the thing. When you talk about humans, why, is hum- why are humans... Earth-based humans, when we try to advance technology, oh, that's evil. We need to give up technology and get back to the granola and the flowers well, because and the natural think, rhythm of I nature. I think about 90% of the time it's used militarily. That's why. How do they think these off-planet civilizations developed it and why? I argue that they developed it primarily for 70% military, just like we did. Well, that's, do. once again, you're putting your idea of how things happen in a human context. I can only go by, you know, think, think about it. Has anybody listening or any of us in this room actually been to another planet where we've seen an off-planet civilization and observed their civilization? Al Bender has. Anybody in this room <laughs> or anyone listening? Okay. Well, anyone in this room, between us two, no, we haven't. So, therefore, what do we have to go on? Only what we've experienced and what we can imagine, because we're intelligent, yeah, right, and creative, that, that, based on that experience. That doesn't make it correct. So if we, but it doesn't make it incorrect. No, no. So therefore, like Ward said, I'm I'm pulling the conversation right, out. Right, right, right. You know, if right. you were saying, well, you know, we don't have to. You know, if you were saying what I was saying, yeah, no, I, I would be You'd on the other the side just yeah. because we're. No matter how I feel. I just happen to feel the way yeah. I do by saying Well, and you, uh, and you force me to state things more clearly, too. Yes, and, and, yes. And well, stuff. that's what but, I want uh, people to do. But but I'm very personally very intrigued, also because of what I'm finding in my research that I'm not making public yet, 
um, in the idea that there were some breakaway guys in the 19th century, and these are probably the guys who sent the signals back from Mars that Tesla received. These are the guys who, you know, might be the ones that the Nazis uh, were in touch with, no matter who they thought they were in touch with. These might be the guys who, you know, can explain a lot if you talk about, you know, 100 and we're talking 150 years now of development of uh, the understanding of, say, like telluric current in the ground. Um, You know, it was 150 years ago that the Sonora Aero Club allegedly started flying their machines around with this anti-gravity technology. You know, that's one thing that I remember Bill talking about. He went to Sonora. Uh-huh. He looked up these people. Right. He said he found nothing right. to suggest that anything associated with that story ever happened right. in it's, the way that... Not in the records, but think about it. it. They were a very private, secretive club that, according to Delshaw, were very lethal in their intent to keep their secrets. Remember, they tried blowing up the one guy. Who mentioned them besides Delshaw? The Sonora Aero Club? Yeah. Um, there is uh, an association with Keeley. That's uh-huh. why the, the Theo Pyman's book I highly recommend, because um, if Pyman's presents evidence that Keeley was the one building their engines for them. Okay. Yeah, I don't yeah. know too much about this, you know, this aspect of it. You know far more than I do, Walter. Yeah, it's, no, Walter's, man, he's really well, up on it. Well, I've reread Theo's book about... Two and a half times in the last ten days, and um, I got to get my hands on the Busby book that I loaned to Greg because I, I got to jump back into that. We can go eat at Canters. I'll grab it. Get what? We can go eat at Canters. I think I've I can heard grab that the it. and maybe Greg, you've heard this too that the Aurora crash or the supposed Aurora um, uh, Texas crash yeah. that that was just in the parlance of the times that that that, that uh, newspapers just made up stories. I um, think or yeah. that there were liars clubs at the time. Yeah, I think a lot of those stories were made up, but not all of them. Not all of them. That's right. I, how do you how do you discern? I don't know how you discern. I really don't. Well, I'll make a suggestion how the best possible way you can discern. You know, first it starts with the story. Then what you do is you dig through whatever existing records. Um, you, you you try to get boots on the ground if you can in the in the town that the story takes place in to look at their records. You try to find what you can in any records to support that the people mentioned in the story were real. Um, and then, I know I know why because well, I know why I think not all of them are fake because some of them sound like early UFO reports right. from just people going, "What the hell is this?" Yeah. And it's and it's been and it just sounds like the late nineteenth century equivalent of stuff that had been going on for hundreds of years before yeah. that and continues in our time. That's why I think not all the airship stuff was fake uh, in those papers. And I think, like contactees or anybody else, a few of the enough of them were coming from a source that didn't make it up. That all these papers said, well, we got to get a story like this too, and and just you know started a craze. Uh, like that like way. That, that that's a. Th- I mean, it's that's my total BS theory. But it's based on you know. I think there is something going on. There has been for hundreds and probably thousands of years, and we've had contact with something over those hundreds and thousands of years. And um, that, that to me, that means that at least some of the airship quote unquote stories are are real. I don't know how many of them have to do with people who humans of the time with advanced technology. I really don't. 
um, I would be fascinated to know more from the little that I do know already. But we, we have to remember, too, a lot of people forget that um, they, they, they discount the idea that it could ever be. I'm not saying you're doing this. But I'm saying there are people out there that just go, oh, knock it off. Humans develop. Well, this is nonsense. But a but a strange guy. Those are people it, with small dicks that need to make up their mind on things. Uh, you know, but 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 some other creature from Talking the far reaches again, of space. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's like, well, I'm not. I'm not saying there aren't creatures in the far reaches of space, but what I'm saying is if you can if you can embrace that idea and consider that idea as possible, come on, you got to consider that there's a human source for some of yeah. this. Yeah, and that's what I say to, to be, these people. It doesn't have to be the or; it can be yeah. the and. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and, and, oh, that's the third option too. Right, right. There's there's this or there's that, but there's this and and that. One. Yeah, and in the and you know and finally, it's fun to think about it. Of course, it's fun. You know, and it not, when it becomes a religion, it's no longer fun. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Fun is different for different people. Hey, you know, you got me interested in uh, Greg. Huh? Uh, uh, Philip K. Dick. Really? Because you know, I I have to admit, I've never read an entire Philip K. Dick Greg, novel. Greg got Ward interested in Dick. That's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's no, a stunning I, I revelation. Do, I mean, you know, I happen. I mean, Walter's <laughs> big in the movies and such, but uh, you know, I have my number one greatest film of all time that I love the most is to me is Blade Runner. Oh, it's wonderful. It's a masterpiece. And, um, and you e- know, even though um, the Keanu Reeves one, I think, was more closer to being a Philip K. Dick story, closer to the story, Scanner Darkly, well, yes, which I enjoyed immensely. I have it on my. Uh, on my iPod, it and was, my pad, and watch it once in a while. It, it, I, I think Blade Runner was close enough to Androids to be recognizable. Yeah, and plus Dick liked it. Yeah, he, he did actually like it. saw a rough cut of it before he died and said, right. "Oh my God, this is great." Yeah, I, I just recently why I brought him up is I just recently saw a new documentary on him. And, yeah, uh, I heard about that. Yeah, and it's it's actually quite a good documentary. I, uh, all the stuff he had gone through and and, and the, the when he had moved down here, and I guess you've done a tour of. Uh, you were, you, Robert well, Larson. You were going to do Ro- yeah. Robert, Robert did the tour, and he'll still yeah, do it if great you ask tours. him. I mean, it's really an interesting tour. Robert's like on top of that. Yeah, so they, he, they go to that location in the in the documentary. Yeah. Um, oh, the, the pink the where he died. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, where, where, where he died. Um, but uh, just that. Well, the the, the point was is that um, it was very interesting, and they even have these clips up on YouTube that you can listen. He he given a evidently he was very popular in France. Um, Back in the '80s and, and '70s, hmm. and um, like he'd been Lewis. invited, um, I believe it was in the early '80s, to go over there and give a lecture. Hmm. And uh, this is just before the whole the whole Blade Runner thing, yeah. um, or late '70s. And uh, he he had he had given a very interesting lecture that he he now believes that, or at the time that that the stories he had been writing, or especially two particular stories about sort of the future of America. Um, was him actually seen somehow, you know, through those those experiences he, that he had, he had actually gone into some kind of a parallel dimension through time. Isn't that the whole, that's and, the Valus thing, Valus. Valus. Valus, I'm sorry. Right, right, yeah. Um, that he had seen these things, but that they were actual realities that existed. Um, Ancient of, Rome and all that. Right. Um, so I, I just, I found that very intriguing. And of course, I guess in his last book, you know, he kind of, kind of, you know, not reneged on the whole thing, but said, you know, I'm... I'm he pulled a Shirley MacLaine? 
<laughs> no, no, he, uh, he, I don't know what actually she did. What did she do? She did like three or four books, uh, you know, out on a limb and all these right. amazing psychic experiences. And then in the fourth, uh, the last one, she kind of chalked it all up into, you know, in the playground of the mind and, and, and kind of the way she did it, it made it sound like she was saying, just kidding. You know, it didn't really happen uh, that way. Maybe. Not, 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 in the, not in the sense of just kidding, but I think in the last book he kind of just said, um, I he doubted these experiences were real, but I don't think that they were what I thought they were. Okay, okay. And you know what? In all defense to uh, Shirley MacLaine, that, that might have been actually what she was trying to say. And But I remember I remember she took kind of a little grief from the, the New Age crowd for that because they wanted it to be all literal. And, and, you know, actually, you know, she came out with something, I think, similar to that. But is that in, are you, with the Philip K. Dick stuff, are you, is that that book, Ex, Exegesis? Exegesis. Is that the one in which he, his last book? No, that's not the last one. Um, oh, okay. Um, I, wait. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, I'm sorry, I really don't know. It, or, or is the exegesis of Philip K. Dick a compendium that somebody else wrote? I'm. Uh, no, I, I don't think exegesis was a was a one was something he wrote, okay. um, and that's one of his most popular too. Um, but but cr- chronologically, if you look at his very last book, uh-huh. that's where he sort of tries to get everything together. And one of the people, one of his friends, actually had said in, the, in this documentary that um, he basically said, "Thank God he didn't die crazy." In other words. He uh, he he kind of understood that he he uh, <clears throat> was basically you know that that what he was experiencing may not have been what he thought it was because in that lect if you go over to YouTube and check out that one lecture it's Paris it's it, it's in France I mean he he's really talking almost about a, a Matrix kind of scenario I mean right. all you have to do is look up Philip K Dick and Matrix oh okay and those two well words I will you'll, you'll hit what what it sounds like what he was saying was that. What he was experiencing, yes, was real, and yes, it was some sort of reality, but it was specific for him and more like a metaphor. May I um, just briefly interrupt for a moment to yes. uh, announce something that means something to me? Um, you know, I've usually been pretty critical of the product Hollywood's come out with for the last several years, and for me, 2011, late in the year, what happened? Re- really proved to be a, a, a landmark year for me. Several movies came out that I really, really liked, and I got to tell you, I was I was hoping I for I two movies, and the one I wanted most won Best Picture: The Artist. Artist, yes. I knew it. Oh, it won. Yes. That's great. The artist won. I wanted it to be artist or Hugo. Hugo was had won five more than any other than any other movie tonight when I was driving in. But my son just texted me. The artist won best picture, and I'm very glad to hear hey, that. That's great. I love that movie. I guess so. I mean, I really love the movie. But if you make a movie about making movies, you're automatic, and it's done very well. Yeah. You're automatically in the Oscar running. I mean, there's no way around it. <laughs> you know, you got to. I guess I spent the whole day working on my film, my new film, um, and and so I'm kind of in a movie fanatic mode. Did that just happen now? I guess my son just texted me, so I guess he, they just. You know, the place me. I'm working now, the Post House, uh-huh. no Oscar pool. I was so happy about that. Really? Yeah. <laughs> they have Oscar pools. That's funny. Huh? Yeah, I mean, it's a Hollywood thing. Every place I've worked has an Oscar pool. Like, you know, they'll have a football pool and all that, but they'll have an Oscar pool. And, you know, occasionally I join it. They didn't even mention it where I work now. And they're constantly, I mean, David Zucker was in there the other day working on something, you know, the Jerry Abrahams, David Zucker, airplane people. Um you know, there's constantly Hollywood people going in and out of there, but the people there don't care. I am you know, so happy about that. It's weird they had, um, you know, they had that list on of the people that have died in the industry, 
And um, I actually knew two of them and didn't know one of them had died. Oh. Yeah. Um, um, well, Paul Hager, I knew him. He was the he was a real, you know, could be a real mean guy over at Paramount. <laughs> this was before. Uh, oh, Paramount's. The, yeah, Paramount's the company that got me canned last right, there, last that, time. This is before. He left before you were. You no, I, it must have been way before, you know. So. Right, yeah. And um, actually, Rango won Best uh, best uh, Animated. Did it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know my history with that movie, huh? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, but and I, I still like the movie. The editor, uh, Peter Berger. Um, I knew him and had done an install for him at his house. And, oh, okay. Uh, I, I didn't know he had died. I was like, wow, I didn't know that. Huh. Ward, what do you do? Oh, uh, basically this. No, <laughs> um, I don't. Uh, I do. And you get paid for it? How do you do that? Yeah, no kidding. That'd be nice. Uh, no, I um, I do. Um, well, I do uh, uh, like screening rooms, that sort of thing, up in Hollywood. Oh, nice. Uh, okay. Installs. I, well, I try, but it's 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 you know it's falling out drastically. I've done a couple of post houses, um, audio systems, and, and video really where? Um, over on um, uh, Thunder Buddies. Do you know them? The I've ones, heard of them. Yeah, they're uh, they're over on uh, Wilshire. Mm-hmm. Um, that's one that I did recently, and then uh, the the other one that, that mostly brings in is I do um, I do projection work. That <clears throat> Ward, that kind of explains why we had such a good time last year uh, when you called into Don Ecker's show when me and him and Rich were talking about just movies. That whole yeah, that's night. remember true. that? That's right, we did. <laughs> I want to do that again. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun, man. Um, Projection. You know, uh, That's funny. That you know, was Rich, my job uh, uh, last time. I wish you guys would get on with Rich too, because he's such an interesting guy. Oh, we've been on with him. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just I just wish he could get back on again. Uh, Rich, even I, I called last or last Friday, and and we were talking about those skyquakes, so the you know the the sounds and and um, one, you know the, the, the some of the you know some of the sounds on YouTube's are hoaxes, but Rich re- recounted uh, hearing something in his in his head, but it. Not in his head, but that it come from above him in the sky uh-huh. when he was in Santa Monica. Well, he sees, he has seen stuff. Wait, can I say that? That he's seen stuff over in his house. Yeah, yeah. He, Rich has seen stuff. You Just know, don't it, say it, where he lives. It, in the area where he lives, <laughs> um, uh, more than yeah. once. There's yeah. He's talked about yeah. He, he, he talked about Topanga Canyon. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That. Yeah. I used to live there too, and I didn't see Dick. There's Dick again. <laughs> but well, because the months after I moved out, a huge UFO flap happened right where I lived in Topanga. <laughs> the month after I left, Wait, who's the author who wrote about that? Preston Dennett. Preston Dennett is he still around? Yes, as far as I know. Yeah, um, yeah. That's that's amazing. I can't believe it. just when you moved. That's bizarre. Yeah, right after I moved, the only UFOs I saw there was when I was on acid, and that doesn't count. <laughs> Oh, man. So I, I never saw anything over there that, you know, remotely freaked me out or bothered me. I never heard anybody talk about it. Although I do remember going to the store there in the middle of Topanga, and they had a newspaper, like a little local Topanga newspaper. And, and like, a couple, I, I lived there for, I think, four years. And after, after living there for about a year, I found this newspaper, and there was a story about people who had seen UFOs around Topanga Canyon, like... You know, there was like eight, nine, ten stories of people seeing things over their house and weird things happening mm-hmm. to them. And I was like, "All right, I'm writing." You know, I'm out writing Weirdo Central. Nothing. I never saw a thing. And I came home late at night from working post all the time, like one, two in the morning, driving up that lonely road. Nothing. It's not for you. It, the phenomenon has nothing to. Uh, 
Yeah. You know, say to you so it doesn't show up. I did see that very that spiked shiny black thing in Santa Barbara uh, last no. year. Okay. Oh, uh, was that that thing you couldn't figure out what it was? Yeah, I, I'm still trying to figure out what what the thing was. It was right next to the, at the end of the runway in the airport over a salt marsh next to San, uh, UC Santa Barbara. Probably a drone being tested. Wouldn't that be the worst thing if if, if the drones, uh, the CG drones that Linda Howe was pushing a couple years ago, they're hmm. the ones making the noises? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're they're making the noises. Um, I'm trying to figure figure out. They're making the noises, and they were also used in 9-11. And, uh, and they're flown they, by Bigfoot. Yeah, exactly. You're perfect. Exactly. Bigfoot. <laughs> I saw a Bigfoot once. I seen them, too. We wanted to make those T-shirts once, when, uh, West Nations and um, a few other zine people in the 90s. We, we it, wanted to make T-shirts that just said, I seen them, too. <laughs> Gabe Valdez. Yeah? Um, he thinks. Uh, and, and, you know, so the, I, I think it's Open Minds or one of those other shows had gotten one of the last interviews with Gabe. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think it was like literally a week before he died. Yeah. Um, and he asked him about a bunch of it. It was an interesting interview. Um, and the, the, the host kind of has a soft-spoken voice. And, um, I have but, to watch it. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good interview. Um, but he, he kept on, he, you know, he kept trying to bring up the whole alien thing, alien, alien, alien. And Valdez just kept saying, you know, oh, no, 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 never, no, no, no. Yeah, but he said, "What do you think about the whole Bigfoot thing?" And he goes, "I think they're projections or something." What was that? Scottish? <laughs> he said something about projections. Huh? Um, well, you should know that about really that. You work on projectors. The, the incident I've heard recounted here a few times. You know about the that woman at point blank range with her shotgun. You know, opening up the door and blasting that Bigfoot right in the in the chest, and the thing just bursting into light. Yeah, I've never heard that story. That's interesting. But it makes total sense to me. Don't let me forget to mention the Alternative Universe I conference before we go off the No, air. we we have 20 minutes, a okay, little over good. 20 minutes. We, we will People mention it. People are going to want to hear about that. It's next Saturday. Uh, yeah, well, hey, I can split now, guys, if you like. Oh, no, finish your thought. Oh, no, it was just it, the, that, that whole thing was very intriguing to me about, uh, about, um, about you know, that Valdez had... had um, I, I just think he, he he was the one with the boots on the ground, and right. and when and it still disturbs me. And I don't want to sound like a conspiracy not here because I, I I don't jump to those kind of conclusions. But with Valdez, it was strange because within a week of him talking about that, and I mean I had never heard him interviewed besides the excerpts from like Greg's book or when people have actually you know talked yeah. to him and yeah. just written him down. But when he started talking, he he the interviewer tried to press him on, you know, well, who was behind this? And he kept saying, well, it's, it's real sensitive. And he said, well, what, what should ranchers do when they see these things? He said, don't, don't touch them. Don't touch the bodies. And, um, um, Good. you know, and then he kept saying, well, who, who do you think's behind it? He says, well, you know, that's, that's real sensitive and stuff we couldn't. And he kept really not wanting to talk about it. And they said, well, you know, who, who, who could it be? He says, do you think it'd have to be military or, you know, would it have to be the government behind those things? And he said, well, they've got to have money from somewhere. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't know. I just I just found that strange. Although I didn't, you know, I heard that Valdez did, had a history in his family of people dying young. No, well, that came from me because his, uh, at the funeral, I did not even bring this up. And his, um, I was talking to his wife, um, Margie, and she said, um, 
I did not even bring this up. And she said, well, his like one of his brothers and his father and an uncle or something like that. All. And I think he was 68. All died at the same age. Just like died in their sleep. No, no, you know, no health problem. No, nothing. So it wasn't like it was out of left field. It, it, there's no precedent for it. So, I mean, that's kind of the little thing I hang on to. It's like, well, he just, that happens Decided in his family for some reason. Yeah. Is that how he passed? Was in his sleep? Yeah, he just, they woke up one morning and uh, she that's, woke up one morning and Gabe didn't wake up. That's all. That's the way I want to go. Yeah. Um, I want to be quite a bit older and I want to know who I am up until the moment I die. But I, just in my sleep and painless, please, God. <laughs> Um, oh man, I, I got to tell you guys, this conversation. Um, I I always have things when uh, when there's a really good show. I mean, my my collection's gotten quite big, but uh, um, I always have shows that I consider keepers. And tonight, Walter and Greg, this is a keeper, man. Oh, thank you. Well, then I'll I, I will post it. I mean, I, I was really yeah. there were some really great conversations tonight, guys. So I well, think thanks, Ward. Thanks cool. so much for calling. Hey, no problem, guys, and uh, take care, and hope to hear you. Hope to hear uh, both of you back on soon. Okay. You too. So, meanwhile, here's the Asteroid Hop by Jimmy Haskell and his orchestra, and then we'll do the intro. Wow, this is pretty good. that song Asteroid Hop by Jimmy Haskell and his orchestra wow here you go
Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. And now, for the first time, we are bringing to you the full story of what happened on that fateful day. We are giving you all the evidence based only on the secret testimony of the miserable souls who survived this terrifying ordeal. The incidents, the places. My friend, we cannot keep this a secret any longer. Let us punish the guilty. Let us reward the innocent. My friend, can your heart stand the shocking facts about Radio Mysterioso. Beware the Astro Zombies. They mutilate, they torture, they kill. Spine-tingling horror, unspeakable shock, and breathless excitement will grip you as you watch living organs ripped from the bodies of voluptuous females as beating hearts and throbbing brains are transplanted to create the Astro Zombies. Cringe in terror, scream in fright as these skull-faced monsters strike blindly at living flesh and the motion picture screen flows in the blood-drenched wake of the Astro Zombies. The beautiful, voluptuous, deadly, vicious Satana, a woman who would stop at nothing to gain control over the Astro Zombies, whose creed was kill, kill, kill. John Carradine as the deranged scientist, Wendell Corey as the doctor who opposes him, match wits in this bloody, sadistic, terror-filled, suspense-laden horror film of brutal mutilations and senseless killings as the Astro Zombies go berserk and threaten a city with death. Watch it and you die a thousand deaths. The Astro Zombies in color, coming soon to your local theater. Now, Came soon to your local theater. Came too soon to your local theater. Uh, it's Radio Mysterio, so Walter's here. Is yes. You, oh, yeah, his mic's working. I get to give myself a little bit more bass so that I don't... That's right. Yeah, so I sound... So you sound like, you know... So I got, sound the same uh, as Walter. More powerful equipment. Whoa. How did huh? you think the alternate, alternate Universe conference went? Um, very well. Uh, There's no complaints yet. So no we'll complaints go. yet. Um... Uh, that's I'm not trying to inspire somebody just because we're, we're we're not bummed that there's no complaints. But seriously, it went. We you know we had a few glitches um, uh, with the technical aspects early on, as you know that you, you kind of your Skype dropped uh, briefly um, once or twice. Yep. And then you got on track, and you know your presentation went well. Mine, yeah, and there I, was and no. I couldn't use my. Um, couldn't use your slides, but. Oh, well. by, by the time we got to the second hour, mine went well. I could use my slides. Um, Andy Colvin's appeared to go well. Mm-hmm. And he was using a phone, yeah. to, to uh, his um, iPhone, to um, Skype in. And, uh, of course, we unfortunately, anyone that was hoping to see uh, Michael Mott's uh, section, that's where the whole, we, where we had the disconnect. Unfortunately, Michael's connection went down. So um, I believe uh, Kevin filled in for him. And uh, I say I believe because I was running an errand at the time when all that was happening. I remember getting the the kind of frantic uh, texts and phone calls. Oh, shit, you know. But um, we got back on track. Kevin filled the hour. And then Chris O'Brien's went went well. So on the technical 
aspect, it works. Doing this works because yeah. as these things broke down, we got them ironed out, and um, we'll get Mike Mott's connection figured out, and I want you to know that he will be a speaker in the next event in April. Um, we will announce the date probably uh, within a week or so. Um, but there is going to be another event. So those of you that are aware of it, you know yep. where to go. Um, and, uh, But I think as far as the content went, um, everybody presented good stuff who spoke. And I, I kind of had doubts here and there. The thing about Walter is it, it, I noticed the entire time he was like full speed ahead, locomotive, let's go, no doubt whatsoever in right. his mind. So that's like big kudos to thank uh, you, thank you. Walter for it. You gotta go and he was the only one answering thing. questions, so he became the default producer. For a while there, yeah. yeah. But remember, our broadcaster, Kevin Smith, uh, he runs a nightly show Monday through Friday. Plus, you yeah, know, well, the, he was he did the technical. Why yeah. am I sounding so bad? And, and he he's, did the technical um, stuff. And, and Kevin's one of the uh, the, the, the two original guys that Maybe. the there idea first came out of their mouths at <laughs> back in November were um, Kevin Smith and Joseph P. Farrell, our friend, Doctor Joseph Farrell. Yeah, this thing was uh, his and uh, was Kevin and his idea. Yeah. And um, they brought me on board because they were telling me about it at the Alchemy event. And, of course, we brought Greg in real shortly after that because we wanted your expertise. You know, you've done this stuff and, of course, as a writer-researcher. So, um, you know, it was us core four. And, you know, Kevin um, Kevin really made that technical end happen. You know, yeah, he's he, one, he's he, it was um, seamless, actually. I mean, yeah. I, Except for the glitches, which he couldn't help, um, it was a signal coming into him. Exactly. So, exactly. but everything else uh, did real well. The th and, and the page looked good too, don't you yeah. think? Yeah, and you could just make a full screen out of it if you wanted to, and just watch the thing. But the page was there. There was a section for uh, online comments. He had phone calls come in. Um, it'd be nice if somehow he can get a setup or a bandwidth where people can Skype in and you can actually see them, like maybe right. in a window. Um, which we will talk to him about. Well, I can tell you, we had... Um, I it's also remember. easy to cut people off who are making a speech rather than asking a question. Mm -hmm. um, I, I'll tell you, I, I don't have the list in front of me, but among the listeners, I do seem to recall, we had people from all over the United States attending this. We had people from the U.K. This is, a, if people don't realize, this is called the Alternative Universe, Universe Con, uh, I Conference. First online, probably, we're pretty paranormal, sure. Paranormal we're pretty sure. conference ever. Pure um, online, where the attendees are attending via a website as well as the speakers. I, I know conferences have had um, speakers appear on the screen but they're in front of a live audience at a live conference. But yeah. this is, we think this is the first one where... You, the attendee, attend from home online. Yeah, and the speakers you can watch of course, the thing. Yeah, um, comment on it and then ask whether there's a question and answer of like ten or fifteen minutes afterwards. Well, we had people from uh, the UK. Yeah, we had people from Australia. Uh -huh. I know. Um, of course, all over the United States. Um, Did I Sam think, Fielder sign up? I think from. I don't remember seeing his name on the list. Okay, he's he's a list. documentary filmmaker that is. Uh, Oh yeah, yeah. The he's a documentary filmmaker that um, came here last year and shot a film with Walter, uh, featuring and Walter Good and Lord. I and Chica Bruce and basically everybody that's been on this show. Andy, Adam Gorightly, Gro Adam Gorightly, who's the producer. Nick uh, came out. 
Anyway, I, I just wanted to know if he had listened. Um, and if not, if you didn't listen, I think the that we are offering, um, we'll be offering either downloads and or DVDs. Right. Oh, yes, thank you for mentioning that. Um, we are going to offer that. Um, so those of you who missed it can see what you missed. So hopefully you won't miss the next one because, you know, it's a lot of fun. Um, we already know we're not going to announce it formally yet. Um, uh, if you heard me on Don Ecker recently, you know, I, I, I think I let a few names. Don slip. is on the next one. There you go. Yeah. There's one name. That's a leak. You heard it here. Uh, yeah, Don will be on the next one. That's not Let's a just leak. go ahead and say it. Nick Redfern yes. will be participating in yes. the next one as well. We're excited about that. Um, Adam Gorightly might be, is he May or June? Uh, you might be May. If we get this ball rolling on this, there will probably be one a month for a while. Yeah, well, that's that's the goal. Yeah, one a month for for at least six months. And hey, folks, if if we if we have even the success we had on this one, we will keep doing it. Yeah. So that tells you what a success it was. And if you missed out, you missed out. Let me answer the phone here, Walter, and you okay, describe a little bit more of what was going on. Yeah, well, uh, basically the idea of the Alternative Universe Eye Conference is uh, we do offer alternative theories to uh, uh, popular uh, ufology. They got scared of me. Who? Whoever called in. Oh. They, they, they were scared of me. The caller got scared. Did they scream when you answered the phone? Or? No, I just kind of heard some breathing, and then they hung up. Oh, okay, so we got a crank call. Was it a yeah. fe- female breathing or male breathing? Uh, unfortunately, I think it was male breathing. Oh, then that was for you. It was, it was, probably, um, it was probably Lee Marvin. Or, or no, it was, it was uh, Clint Eastwood. Yeah, it would be Clint because... He's still alive. That's right. <laughs> Charlie's gone and Chuck's gone and Lee's gone. Um, but uh, but, but uh, not only do we hear alternative theories to popular ufology and and popular paranormal um, uh, dogma that's out there. Um, That's a big theme with our thing. But but it's also also the people that you just don't get to hear a lot as well. Um, We're not really trying to beat with a stick over the head. I'd be interested to find a Sky Sounds person. Yeah, that'd be cool, too. As as long as... Here's what we want. As long as the person is a uh, legitimate researcher... And, you know, I mean, I mean, we are going to be a little discriminating. We're going to try to just, um, you know, not have any goofball um, on. Just any goofball. Even though I spoke in the first one. We'll have special goofballs. You know, uh, even though I know I spoke in the first one, but generally you kind of got to give us a break on that, you know. Um, But seriously. I think think we all have to agree who's going to be on. Yes. Oh, wow. Look, I really did rack up my knee. Oh, my God. Whoa. Take a look at that. Greg, uh, we were out at Forest Lawn Cemetery, and um, I think Greg's cologne offended the ghost of Alan Ladd. So as we were walking, looking at things, Greg smacked his knee right into a marble bench. Yeah. And then, insult to injury, he, you know, uh, mutters loudly some expletives. And, wow, I mean, if John Edward were there, he would have just run out screaming with a headache because I'm sure that the ghosties just were... Yes, I, I apologize for swearing in the mausoleum of freedom <laughs> when I banged my knee. So, but but uh, the, and we, the, I just noticed blood stains blood. on my shoe. Yeah, will on you my be pants. able to get that That's out? Great. Yeah, I think so. Oh, I've got this. Stu- it gets anything out. Use club soda and lemon juice. It's fabulous, and it tastes great too. Yeah. <laughs> um, we. Oh wow, we're gonna get in trouble. All my gay friends are gonna be Walter. That's not funny. No, they know me. 
Uh, People are saying. We were saying. Um, the alternative uh, after I scared the collar off. After you scared the collar, that um, uh, that the idea of the conference is to uh, give voices that you don't get to hear a lot or some that you've never heard um, uh, on there, but also to counter the quite frankly, you know, that is a part of it to counter the UFO dogma that's out there. We are all four of us that founded this thing opposed to the ET religion as the only thing that's heard. Yeah. Um, I, I, speaking for myself, I am opposed to the ET religion. Uh, of course I am, too. The, well, actually, the thing I would say is it's not that we all agree on each person that's on. Right. I may think somebody that's on is kind of wacky. Well, see, at least the, the only that's time, a good key point. You the just only yeah. thing that really would irk me is if there's somebody on that's wacky and they're not apparently to me they do not come by their opinions honestly right good you brought up a very good point it's not that we have to agree on the person's ideas but i think we all have to agree like you said in their sincerity but also their the, the fact that they've done their work yeah you know what i'm saying that they've done their research that they that even if i even if i think that some or all of their conclusions are based on uh evidence i would consider personally not not convincing that's okay. Right, right. But, you know, again, not to bash the E.T. folks. I mean, because I, I think, I believe E.T.s exist. Non-human E.T.s. I, I think that human E.T.s are out there. I, you know, that's a whole thing that I could go into. Well, of course, I, th- I am hundred, almost 100% certain there's non-human or human E.T. Sure, both <laughs> Just by the mere fact of... Look at the size of it. Yeah, I mean, the if the, the, there's the, the chances are way, 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 way above zero that there's some other kind of sentience right. in the universe. Well, it, 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 my thing is I just don't particularly Whether assume... Whether they've been here or not is another question. I mean, folks, just because a civilization has advanced their technology enough to be able to traverse the stars and all that stuff does not mean that they've overcome... Is this one better? Natural oh, wow. It's aggression. better than my expensive microphone. That they've overcome natural aggression... That they've um, that they mean well and love and peace for us, folks. I mean, maybe some of them do, but not all of them do. And I, I personally, I get tired of hearing constantly that 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 little phrase being said. Any civilization advanced enough has overcome their blah 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 blah. I, to that, I say bullshit. And it's time more people said bullshit. And uh, you know, actually, if I. Can I say bullshit on your show? Is yeah, you okay? can say bullshit. Okay, well, bullshit. Anyway. What are you doing saying bullshit? I'm talking bullshit on my show. Yeah. Um, um, it, it's just, it's, it, it's aggravating to hear that. It's, it's annoying. It's galling. It's. Well, I think in assuming anything on either side of the equation is wrong. You. Exactly. Um, I don't think anybody necessarily comes in peace, and I don't think anybody necessarily comes to take us over. Um, but yet, at the well, same time, there are those who do both. I think. Well, I take the strong middle position, uh, strongly meaning I feel about it strongly that if we make that kind of assumption, we've already f- made an, we've already figured out what it is, and then w- that closes us off to what it might be, whatever it is, by saying they're here to be- help us or they're here to-, here to destroy it. Oh well, it's we like, can't know that until they let their intentions be known, and they may not be able to. That's right. And I, I said this on the during the conference. It may be, and some guy at work asked me this. He goes, yeah. "What do you think?" And I was put on the spot for once, for for, for the for once in you know two or three weeks, where somebody somebody asked you something like that. I said, "I think it's like if you were 
out in the middle of nowhere on Earth, and you saw an animal running somewhere. And the mm-hmm. animal knew what it was doing. It knew how to live in its environment. Right. You know how to live in yours. Right. Um, and you look at each other for a little while, yeah. and something happens. Well, Either you pet the animal, or it takes a chunk out of you, or it shows you how to get back to civilization, or you fix its paw, or you, you know, just look at each other for a few minutes across a couple hundred yards. This, I think that's what's going the on. Deal. There's like these... It's To me, it's more like a ship's in the night thing. Yeah, exactly. And here's the deal. I'm saying it. You people can take it for gospel, okay? You heard it here. Um, we help them. They help us the way we help... We and dolphins help each other. If we're in the ocean and there's sharks after us, sometimes the dolphins come. This is documented fact. Sometimes the dolphins come. They surround one, us, and then the others actually drive the shark away, or in many cases, kill the shark. And then we go about our business, and they go about theirs. Yes. If one of them accidentally gets washed up on land, you know, whatever, we put them in the little thing, and we put them back to the water. Oh, boy, and and we help them where scare. we can, but back they go to their world. And I think that's the way it happens. So, again, I want to be clear. I, E.T. exists, both non-human and human. Um, also, uh, 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 the, the ones that mean us harm, I think, are out there. The ones that mean us help are out there. And the ones who... Neither way, you're just tourists. They're out there. That's that's the thing. But w- my point is, what bothers me and what bothers a lot of people. I don't make I an know, assumption that anything like that is out there. No, I make the assumption that it's all out there, which is kind of your position rather than. No, well, I don't my, think any. My, my position is no assumption whatsoever, as far okay. as I can possibly make it. Well, I'm, I'm going to assume that speculation. That's all yes, out there. but not. Well, uh, I'm going to speculate well, okay. that it's all it, out it, there. It's, yeah, it's um, apples and oranges. But uh, uh, you know. The, the the idea that it's only one or the other, I, we both agree that that's completely wrong. Yeah, well, it's it's wrong because we have no way of proving that, and there is a lot of evidence in both directions. Yes. Um, I don't know about equally, but I, I think maybe it's more in the good ET direction because that's what people want to think. That's that's well, that would be the nicest thing. Well, people in hell want ice water. Yes. That would be that, you know, people will assume usually, unless they're insane or whatever, they will assume the thing that makes them feel the best. And if it, they, what makes them feel the best is if this non-human thing is trying to help us and whatever, in the midst of whatever else it's doing, that makes them feel better about whatever the experience yeah. was. And that's fine. But I think it's an assumption. It's based on what's coming from that person's background and their expectations mm-hmm. and their fears and their hopes and all that, not specifically what happened. It's like it's it's like seeing a, a a dolphin jump out of the water as we say dolphins again yeah. or anything and saying oh he's just happy, maybe he's looking, yeah, uh, trying to take a look at something. Yeah. Maybe he's trying to knock barnacles off his back. Exactly, um, or his balls. Yeah, or you know there, there could be one of a hundred reasons, but we're saying that because oh look at the playful dolphin, because dolphins have been trained to kill people specifically, and they know they're doing it too. Just like that George C. Scott movie yes. where they put the landmines. Well, on the they. Boat. they I can't remember where I read this recently, but um, recently people from the Navy have admitted, and Russians admitted this a long time ago, or we found out, they admit, uh, dolphins had been trained to carry um, those shark darts that basically have a CO2 cartridge in them and ram them into people and, and uh, fill them up full of air and kill them. Well, there you go. Well, some people would argue, no, the dolphin is trained to ram the person at us, you know, with this device, but in their minds, they don't know that what they're doing is killing. That's what the oh, so they don't know what they're doing is saving people when they knock sharks away and help them. Thank shore. you, thank you, 
Thank you. They know what they're doing. I was just presenting the, yeah. the you know, the the argument, you know, the, the the no, 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 they're always good, always good, always good. Because you know, let's face it, they have personality. Part of that too. whole dogma, you know? part of that ET religion and dogma, just like, is <laughs> the crap that really pisses me off, really cranks me up. This humans are bad. We're nothing. I, you know, you know, I don't subscribe to that. This business that we are just the low, stinky monkey urchins of the universe, and everything and everybody else is so much more advanced than us. I think that's a load of crap. I don't know if it's a load of crap, but it I is. think it's a bad um, premise to come from. No, no, no. Or it's a bad premise to run your philosophy on. And, and why would you identify it as a bad premise? Because it, it's probably not accurate, right? I don't know if it's accurate or not. What I, I'm concerned your, what about What does your gut the, tell you? What about people? Yeah, that we're we're just lousy, no good, low low on the evolution scale. People that are beings. assholes are a lot more motivated ah. than people that aren't. So now, okay, good. You're breaking it out into a human spectrum. Yeah. So it comes down to what individual behavior. Aha! Yeah. And you know how much I prefer individuality over collectivism. I like this. I like yeah. Well, the the other thing is, I don't hang around with or immerse myself in a bunch of desperate, nasty people. Good. I, if I did, I might have a different. You, you know what, folks? Wait, I wouldn't matter. answer is, that because is this the third crank call? Because we're we're going to stop answering the phone. If I'm just going to leave the phone off the hook, is that all right? Oh, who's this? <laughs> and maybe this time we have a real caller. I don't know. We'll see. Um, Greg's oh, on okay, the phone. Um, He's dealing with a caller. Uh, do you mind coming online? There's a, there's there's actually a dialogue okay. going on, and we're going to no, find no, you out. Haven't. We're going to find out who it is. And um, is if okay? Uh, there we go. Can What's you up? hear us there? Uh oh, the phone isn't hooked up. What is it? Who is it? Hello, hello, hello. Okay, just uh, just a second. Let me see if somebody has disconnected the phone for the first time in weeks. Just a minute. Oh wow. Okay. I might the just phone is disconnected. So so Greg is going to figure this out. And uh, basically, the show the, the conference is not just about ufology. By the way, um, we talked about interdimensional things. Um, Chris O'Brien talked about tricksters and oh, his Jesus. research related to the trickster. No and uh, Michael Mott was going to talk about interdimensional, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, cryptozoology with a kind of an interdimensional touch. It was really a big interdimensional oh, theme okay, I found it. Sorry, um, going. And um, it was, uh, it was pretty interesting. So now, now Greg Hello? is oh, there we go. getting can, the phone going. I can barely hear you. Who is this? I will put you up in front of the, the speaker. Greg there. will can introduce the now? caller. Can you hear us a little better now? Yeah, a little bit. I'm calling from Hawaii. Oh, it's uh, Vicky calling from Hawaii. I'll, I'll just hold Vicky. the phone up to my... <laughs> a caller. Aloha. Yes. A listener. Um, I just had a comment about... You guys were just talking about ETs and whether they were good or bad or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes I think they're just like farming us. And what what makes you think that? I mean, yes. Well, I, I we have heard they, this one. I'm sorry. They just kind of dip down every once in a while and and just kind of harvest people and um, you know they don't really mess with us too much. They're just kind of like a farmer and his stock. Do they eat us? His farm stock. Yeah, maybe. Um, but you know what I'm going to say, Vicky. I think I, I think that that's an assumption um, based on what people might think, also based on what our models of how we interact with each other and with other species. Yeah. You may be right. Yeah. And I don't, you know, and 
I wouldn't doubt that that's a viable theory, but I wouldn't subscribe to it because I really can't subscribe well, to any theory. She she may also be she this may also be right. Information. V yeah. v Vicky, you may also be right with a a certain representative number of you know there might be one particular group of ET that indeed is farming us absolutely and that's really what I'm trying to say when we were talking before is I think you know all the possibilities could be possible. Um, my my beef is when people just say it's one. That's all. Yeah, well, what I find kind of annoying is um, these people that seem or claim to know things in infinite detail about them, where they just go on and on and on about where they're from, <coughs> every tiny little thing that they do. It just becomes hard to believe. Yeah, it's, uh, like I said, um, and in my talk, too, um, and I've said here on the show, I think, that uh, the 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 thing we leave out of the equation is us. Mm, yeah. We leave our hopes and our fears and our expectations and our upbringing and our DNA and what we had for dinner and all that stuff out of the equation. And I think that is a big mistake. And it's really hard to get away from that, obviously, because we're you know we're we're we're, we're trapped in who we are. But I think the only way out of that, out of either you know. Um, uh, misguided fear or misguided optimism or whatever you want to call it is to try and not have an attitude about it and see see what happens. It, it, you know, if I was sitting here and I thought I saw an alien walk in the room or what we think is one, yeah, um, I there there isn't you, you can't really sit there and be neutral about it. <laughs> <laughs> not really. So, and I don't know if that would ever happen to me. I don't know if I have the wherewithal or you know whatever to see it or. You know, if you want to get deeper, if those, whatever those things are, are interested in me, I don't know. But my, my main point is that if we make an assumption and we exclude others, mm, yeah. what, what answer are we going to have? We're only going to have that one answer. And we're just going to keep looking for the answer to that one question, the answers that one question, and that leads us down that one path. And not only will we, you know, um, if it's not the accurate answer, we're just chasing our tails, and it's you know it's like what, what what can I say? It's like a, it's it's like like you said the farm animal. It's like the farm animal doesn't really know it's a farm animal because it because all it does is like oh okay I need some food and I'm getting it from this whatever this thing is and that's all I'm going to deal with. You know it's it doesn't know that we're that it's being kept for its milk or it's going to be slaughtered later or it's just a pet or whatever. It just that doesn't even enter into its mind. Mm, so yeah. I'm, I'm thinking about that on our level and not that another race is more advanced or less advanced or anything than us or another intelligence. It's that we're thinking of it in terms of ahead or behind us, enemy or friend, um, uh, smarter or dumber, um, uh, more, more toys or less toys. Um, uh, you know, uh, it, we're, we're thinking in terms of this dichotomy of, like, how do we deal with them? And I think whatever the intelligence is, probably doesn't think in that way or we would have had some sort of definite answer as to what's going on here in the last few thousand years of us interacting with whatever this other intelligence is is, is that clear Did yeah that, that and that... besides they'd have to be so far beyond us that their attempt to communicate with us would be like us trying to talk to us. I don't, I don't. I don't think that's true in every case, though. I don't think they're so far beyond us that um, necessarily just because they can travel across space the way they do. That um, to me, that's the leap in logic. 
that's yeah, well, too that, far. That this, it's what I actually just said. I don't know if these things are ahead or behind us intellectually, spiritually, morally, or if that even applies to them. Yeah. You know, I, I think we, it, it's like basically a big blob of, of nothing, and we're molding it by what we expect out of it. And not of nothing, but of something that's there, something that's not us that we interact with, and we've been doing it for thousands of years. Let me, let me say this, Vicki. Here's something to consider, and I never thought of putting it this way before. Um, you know, we, there is an assumption out there that because they can come across space that they must be way far ahead of us. However, yeah. birds were flying for many, many, many years before we figured out how to fly within <laughs> known history, and they are not more intelligent than yeah, we are. Yeah, but they, you know what? Mm. Uh, uh, you know what I mean. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I kind of know what you mean. The thing uh, um, um the thing is that I finished my talk yesterday, and the most, well, not most, but a couple of the questions were, you know, well, what about physical trace cases? Like, I didn't say that there weren't any UFOs. Right. Physical trace cases shows that there are some things that are physical that we can't explain that leave behind traces. Now, what, how that manifests, I do not know. We understand it as machines and physical things that leave traces that are physical whether we see them or not. And my argument uh, against that or aside from that is how do we know that they're physical machines when we're not looking at them? We can't knock on them. We can't um, produce one on demand, um, no matter what you think about whether the government's hiding them or not. Yeah. Um, it's, just, it's just a big question. And until anybody can prove what's going on for themselves, you know, just by mm -hmm. simple experimentation or through a, you know, a a set of, of uh, data that you trust or that everybody can trust? I think the question's still up in the air. Well, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, even if... I, now, I have never seen an alien. So, But I think if I did, I would be petrified. <laughs> you know, I think it would be terrifying. I probably would, too. It's a legitimate I mean, it would be more terrifying than seeing a grizzly bear in the woods. It would be the most terrifying, shocking thing that you ever saw. Yeah. Are there a bunch of frogs or something out yeah, there? Yeah, that's the cokey frogs. I can, cool. We can hear them. That is they, cool. Oh, yeah. It started out about maybe 10 years ago. Somebody brought a frog in on a potted plant. Uh-oh. And now it's a huge, um, and they sound just like birds. Yeah, and the other problem in Hawaii is somebody lets, are there snakes there yet? No, well, occasional snakes. Because if there are, it, that's happened on a couple of Pacific Islands, and the bird population is gone within yeah, a few years. Yeah, that was Guam. They always seem to catch them. They catch a lot on Oahu, but not over here. Oh, okay. Where, which island are you on? The big island. Oh, okay. But, um, you know, I'll tell you something, that several years ago, I was driving into downtown Hilo. Mm-hmm. And just happened to glance up at the mountain, you know, waiting at a stoplight. And for, it was probably no more than a second, I saw a giant black triangular and silver craft that disappeared before my eyes. Huh. And I've never, and I'm, you know, I'm pretty down to earth. And I, I don't see things, you know. So that was something that I did see. That was, and I did call, um... I reported it to <laughs> not uh, MUFON, but the other one. Um, Center for UFO Studies. Um, uh, I think National UFO Reporting. Huh? National I UFO Reporting Center. Yeah. The one in I think it's in Oregon. Yes, that one. Yeah, Dale Goody used to run that, I think, and somebody else does it now. 
yeah, I reported it. So I know, you know, and I and over here, it's so common to see fireballs that, <coughs> excuse me, the Hawaiians called them akualele, which meant flying god. Mm-hmm. You know, they were. What, what do they look like? Well, they're usually orange or green fireballs that travel kind of parallel to the ocean along the horizon. Oh, wow. Okay, I've never heard of that one. I've heard the falling straight down green fire. I've seen those. Oh. Chris O'Brien talks about those, too. He calls them the cheap firework UFOs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, it was nice talking to you, and Greg, I just wanted to make a comment. Your voice has such a unique quality that <clears throat> it's so funny. That when I hear you, I just about get hysterical. I don't oh, know I re- you've been commenting on the sh- on the site. That's right. I remember. <laughs> oh, I did. <laughs> okay, yeah, I remember. And it's the first time you've called. That's wonderful. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to say hi and um, say how much I enjoy your show, all you guys. Well, thanks so much. It's it's okay. it's so cool to hear when somebody reacts and says, "This is so cool." You know, it's it means that somebody's listening, and and that's wonderful. Thanks. Yeah, enjoying it. All right, thanks, Vicky. Thank bye. All right, bye. Great, great. I now find out. I now find out we have a nice lady who listens to the show, and I act like an asshole. You asshole! Jeez, that you was are, cool. Have you you are is, such is that, a pig. Walter. Is that the farthest call away you've had? Or yeah, yeah, I think Hawaii. so. All right. Now here's what's interesting about her story. About you yeah, know, yeah. If anybody else wants to call in, you know, go right ahead. Yeah. It's, it's, it's uh, we don't we don't need to hog all the time. Two one three two five two zero nine nine eight. Um, that's two one three two five two zero nine nine eight. What I found, uh, you know, her story about what she saw, you know, I, I can't immediately, you know, dismiss because there she is out in the middle of the Pacific. And, I wouldn't dismiss it. You know, U.S. Navy and other navies are really active out there over the seas. And, and what better place to maybe test stuff? I mean, think about it. She said that. it was up against one of the mountains, though, uh, yeah, near well, Hilo. When so, she, whatever. Something in the sky. When she saw it. But what I'm saying is uh, for that moment or however long she saw it, it was there. But really, when you think about it, the ocean is a better area. 51 than area 51 right right you know uh especially things can move in and out of there's a whole history yeah. of under under sea exactly we know that uh, underwater yeah. flying unidentified underwater objects. so that, yeah. that, that that's really submerged objects and USOs. black and silver she said yeah she didn't just say black she said black and silver mm-hmm. she gave you know enough of that what she remembered now that was uh that was interesting yeah, and I, I and the, the, the what I thought also thought was interesting. She said it, she kind of saw it out of the corner of her eye, and then it just disappeared. Mm-hmm. Um, does that mean is there some mechanism there where you're not supposed to see it? And as soon as you're due, there's some recursive mechanism that shuts it off, and you're well, or did she just this. happen to see the thing when it looked, winked out, or was it something where she was tuned to the right thing for a little bit? You know, exp- I, this, it's not, it's not uncommon that Has kind anyone- of exciting. Has anyone? Have you ever heard of any technology being explored where um, they can do some type of device that that works with the eyeball to where when you're essentially looking straight on at something you won't see it, but then if you're looking at something else peripherally, this I have heard of, but I am not going to say for sure because I can't say for sure. But wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah, if it turned I mean out the the, the thing I heard about, which sounds perfectly reasonable to me. And in the 80s, it did not sound reasonable, is uh, some kind of aircraft that has a skin that's made up of camera lenses and some sort of display. There you so go. it would 
any time, and it always displays what's on the other side of it. Well, you know what? Here, here's an interesting thing. I'd so like no matter what out. angle you look at it, you're looking at it with the background superimposed it was upon it. That, and we recall that on the car in the Bond film, the last Pierce Brosnan one, yeah. Die Another Day. That's right. That's right. And here's the deal. The Bond movies do try to base their, no matter how silly you might think it is. That's right. They do try the to base stuff with yeah, the, uh, yeah. on actual technology. So that's not. I mean, we got to think about that. We got and look and and look how long ago that was. That was in two thousand four. Yeah. So that would be eight years ago that they were showing it in the silly ass Bond movie. Yeah. You know, um, which probably uh, means it and, was tested and perfected in the seventies and eighties. Probably. Yeah, well, there's the guys in Japan that were doing that fabric. Oh yeah, yeah. And they showed that test, mm-hmm. and and that was interesting. So you know, um, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> So, <laughs> a little inside humor there, folks. 213-252-0998. Uh, Be the first caller, and you'll win nothing but a few minutes of chatting with us. Or more than a few minutes, uh, if you want. Uh, if there's something you really want to say. Uh, do you need to look at that file, or do you want to talk about it? I showed uh, Walter. I can, I can talk okay. about it. I could have dropped it on the street. I shouldn't even have had to bring it. Um, what I said at the beginning of the show, if you weren't here at the beginning, was that uh, I've been um, going through and cleaning up the house, looking looking at things, emptying boxes, and I found in uh, a package of um, a file of papers that Bill Moore, the UFO researcher, gave to me in nineteen, probably the mid nineties. Uh, what it is is he had ordered his FBI file, basically the files the government had on him. And he said, could you please read these and tell me if you think that I should release these publicly and comment on them. I read them, looked at them, couldn't really make too much as much sense out of it as I might now or as much sense as Walter did. And said, I don't see any problem with it at all. But then he decided never to release them. And since they're his FBI files, I'm not going to release them personally. Um, unless it's, you know, I maybe a couple of pages that don't have, really have any personal information. Right. But just to show the extent of the blacking out, which is like 85, 90%. Right. And, and there's a perfectly good explanation for it that's not, you know, oh, oh gosh, the, the, you know. the amazing thing about it is people say, you think, oh, you got these blacked out things you don't know. The FBI blacked them out, and they put codes next to every little blackout yes. telling you. And they give you the key. They give you the key to what, you know. What why the, the blackout? Yeah, you know, why? They, why, t- they tell you why the, why the thing was blacked out, mm-hmm. and most of the time it's could reasonably construed reconstrued to reveal certain sources and methods right. used by the government to investigate. Yeah. Um, but some of them, a few of them, which Walter thought were very interesting, were uh, exemption B one, I think, which he said uh, equated to um, deals directly with national with security. With national security, and, and then the the putting of S next to some things indicated a a location. That they that uh, is likely a classified location. Now, again, I'm interpreting this. These are locations where the reports were filed from, or the agents yeah. that were doing the filing were reporting from. And sometimes I'll say SAC, out. you know, Phoenix, which means Special yeah. Agent in Charge, Phoenix. Yeah. Um, but then sometimes it'll there'll be a blacked out smaller area. And, and Walter said this is a, a secret location, meaning. And I said, what do you mean? What do you mean secret location? He said, this is. An office which is a field office. Stop me if I'm wrong. Which is not not revealed as such publicly. Yeah. Let me let me to make it more clear because FBI uses the term field office. Like there's the Los Angeles field office yeah, yeah. where my ex-wife works. Uh-huh. Um, still works. There. Still works. She's a media rep. 
and uh, but it, it's more of an office in the field, um, uh, what they used to call when I worked for them, an off-site location. And um, that's possibly what these blacked out uh, things are where the location list is. Where, right. You know, and just as you described. Um, Do you want a stinky pop filter on no, that? No, I can hear you, you going, pop, pop, pop. This is good. I've started working on that radio station. It's like I'm starting to hear all these imperfections oh, that I didn't okay. used to hear. Well, in, 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 here's the thing. There's nothing in that file that Bill hasn't already revealed himself in general in that when he said, look, I was working with the government, blah, 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 when he did it at the uh, UFO. Oh, conference. yeah. That's the other thing that people yeah. may not know. He was trained by and worked for an agency of the government, probably affiliated with the CIA, but we're not sure. There's for a really while, no way of There's no, no way mean, of knowing. It, it could have been NSA. Basically, a, yeah, or been, NSA or know. DOA or something. D DIA. Uh, DIA or... Defense uh, Intelligence yeah, Agency. Maybe DIA. Yeah. Anyway, but he did this in exchange for this UFO information right. he supposedly got, which everybody says, so really, yeah, it was all disinformation. It, it, he was paid to put... It. No, he was doing it, it's, and I found nothing to... Um, refute this. He was doing this, and what he said is he, he was doing this work in exchange for UFO information yeah. that he thought he would get. And the second reason, which is perfectly should be perfectly obvious to anyone, it's interesting and exciting. They yeah. didn't have him doing UFO stuff. They had to track some guy down. He told me one time I had to find a guy they said was in West Hollywood that frequented all the gay bars. So he said he had to actually run up and down Santa Monica Boulevard in the seventies or no in the eighties through gay bars looking for this guy that was hiding out from the government. Yeah, see, so... And he said he didn't find him. I said, did you have fun in the gay bars? And he said, shut <laughs> up. But, you know, that was just one thing he had to do, so... Yeah, yeah it, it basically, the file tells me, it, it looks like it's a standard file on somebody who had an association with the federal government in an operational manner, um, kind of a light operational manner from what you would glean from the file. Yeah. The details of what he did are, are not in there. If and and really, yeah. And if there are any details, they're blacked out. Well, yeah. And and the kind of things that are blacked out really have to do with, as you said, the Back sources. Up. Yeah. And that it, they can't. And they, it, they're yeah. not going to blow those sources. Yeah. Here's the thing. The reason a lot of it was remember. It, this I think is, it was all background checks. Yeah, it looked exactly. like, or you know, loyalty kind of. This is or a file that Bill requested himself. Yeah. On him. So what it is is they didn't want him to know who in his life, past or present, was actually a source. See, remember, the a blacking out. A source reporting on him, which the agents yeah. went and talked to about him. Yeah, the blacking out is just as much their stuff they didn't want him to know. Right. Um, as well as they wanted it blacked out in case it got out of his hands for anyone else to see. Because I'm sure there's some things he could guess. You know, just by triangulation. Yeah, is you know, then the officers asked him about on this date. It's like, He's oh, they gonna, came to me on that date. They yeah. asked, oh, I know what they were talking about. Yeah, exactly. But they black it out. Yeah, to protect the source. Yeah. Um, but in some, here's the case. Here's the deal. Sometimes in your life, you know, you might have a neighbor or a relative who's been in the spook world, who's worked, you know, in national security in kind of a discreet or covert manner. And, you know, they, they want that protected for good reason. It helps uh, keep them safe and their families safe. Yeah. Um, you know, it, so, so it's really, it was a lot more um, mundane, so to speak, within context of what we're talking about than I expected. Um, but it, 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 within context, it is still very much 
you know, kind of cool because, uh, wow, there was a lot of source identifiers and things that were blacked out. There's several completely blacked out, nearly uh, completely blacked out pages. But uh, it just basically, in, in summation, it supports what he revealed himself in that general way. Yeah. You know, so he so there's nothing like earth shattering in there. No. It just proves that, no. you know, what everybody else kind of thought anyway. He was involved with the government in more than yeah. a passing uh, fashion for a few years. Right, right. Because the files range from, I think, the early 80s to the early 90s. Yeah. These reports. Yeah, 1992 was the latest I saw yeah. in there. So um, I was with the Bureau between 88 and 93, summer 93. And, so a lot of these things he were contemporary to Walter, so he could understand. Right. It was the nomenclature, the phrases, you know, like the, the air tells that they used and, yeah. tele, you know, the communications and such. So, you know, I, I could I, – now it's been a few years. My ex could probably more instantly go, oh, yeah, yeah, remember dummy? That means this. That means that. That kind of thing. But in yeah. general, that's what it was. But it was kind of it was interesting because I will never see mine, I will never request mine. Hmm. It's kind that's in in. Is it just not done? It's or? not done in the culture. You right. you do not, you do not ask for your own back. I worked with a young agent, who good lord in the in in during his proby year he requested a copy of his file. Yeah, I mean come on, you don't. And do everybody that. knows that too. And you don't do that. You, yeah. you don't, uh, you know, you just, I never will. You know what it is? It's, I, I, I would know why, too, because then it, it is, it, it, that looks like you don't trust your employer to well, have. it makes your employer wonder what you're worried about what's in there. Yeah, yeah, See, that too. the reason I won't ask is right, I'm right, not right. worried what Uncle Sam knows about right. me. Because you know what? I'm not going to keep them really from knowing anything. They're going to know everything about me. Right. You know, um, so I'm not worried about it. Yeah. Did you have something to hide that they yeah. found out and won't tell you about? You know, no, nothing. You know, it, it, it's I, I'm not a criminal. I haven't done criminal things, so I'm not worried about them finding anything like that. Yeah. You know, I wasn't smoking dope right up until two weeks before applying. So I don't have to worry about, oh, my God, did they get that in my pee or did my dope smoking friends tell them I used to do that when I told right, them I didn't right. blah, blah, blah. You know, I was a nerd. I was a geek. You know, I was kind of. I was too, so. but I smoked pot. I didn't smoke it like a fiend. Yeah. But and I'm I not judging people younger, who smoke right? weed. Good Lord. I'm, at, I'm like one of three people I know who've never done it. Duh. You yeah. know, um, I am a dork. I get it. Um, but I'm just using that as an example. Um, you know, I'm not somebody who used to, you know, steal from work all the time in my last job. So I, you know, I'm worried about what, you know, oh, they're going to. So, but, but yeah, it, what it does is it makes them wonder, well, what are you worried about? Yeah. You know, um, so I, oh, I okay, won't ask okay. for mine. I, and I don't has care nothing what, to do with their trust level. It's just like what are you trying deal. to hide? Here's the deal: if some neighbor didn't or your like trust me, level them. if some neighbor didn't like me and said some shit about me, or one of my friends said some shit about me, here's the deal: I I got the job. I got to do all yeah. the things I wanted to yeah, do so while I wanted to work. I left Uncle Sam out of choice. I didn't, you know, it's not like I ran my course and it was over or I was, you know, fired or anything like that. I left out of personal choice and I got everything, you know, I ever uh, pursued. So whatever was said about me that w would might seem unflattering in some people's eyes, it clearly wasn't unflattering enough to any agency I worked for to not hire me. Yeah. So, you know, I'm not oh, worried no. about we got to start talking about the UFOs again. We lost a listener. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. UFO flying saucer, E.T., E.T., E.T. Why do I even check that? I was just it might, it might be me. I, you know, they might find me abrasive. I said bullshit a couple of times. Bullshit? 
bullshit. That's what I said. I um, and this was in an article in the L.A. Weekly. This girl came in after that one up there, the one with the on the left. Up up in the anybody right next? Yeah. Okay. The dark girl. Yeah. She had a show after mine. Yeah. And this was in like two thousand two or three or something. When we were at the Davidian building at Sunset in Hollywood, where Ed Wood used to have an office. Oh, okay. Anyway, um, she came in to do her show after mine. It, sh- it was her first or second show, and she said, "And I, she, she came in and she said, uh, you know, she said fuck or shit or something like that." Yeah. And she said, "Oh God, can I, can I say that?" And I said, "You can say anything you want. It's internet radio." Yeah. And all of a sudden, she said, "Kill the president! Kill the president! Oh, kill the president!" Oh God. No, no, no. <laughs> Within limits, folks, if you don't want to be harassed. Yeah. So I, you know. 2002, was, you said? T- yeah. Okay, that was, that was back when I was discreetly watching you before the Masonic yeah. overlords yeah. had me actually befriend you at yeah. David's conference. Yeah. Uh-huh. Okay. I just wanted to be clear on that. I think so, right. That was, did I meet you after? 2004. Wow. It Ed, seems like longer I for know, some reason. doesn't it? Well, for you, it probably seems like way too long. Yeah, just, me. it's just, it never Particularly ends. Particularly after you've spent the last 36 hours with me? Yeah. Something like that. Walter came over to um, utilize my computer and the webcam I have for his participation in the conference because we were scheduled one right after the other, probably because of that reason. So, Oh, and my since, computer right now is for shit. So. Yeah, so he... Just, uh, we just he just stayed overnight and we hung out today and that's why we went to the. It was uh, great. They didn't invite me. I just stayed and I yeah. wouldn't go away. He said, "I'm coming to stay," and then they hung up the phone and yeah. I said, "What?" After he hung up the phone and then he and just and they stayed. thought I was kidding and then late we we're watching TV and I, I said, think they thought I'd lock up when I left when they went to bed and they got up the next t- this morning and, and I was there. I was still there. God damn it! And then then he made me go to the the. Uh, forest lawn here today and i yeah. banged my knee and now and it bled all over my pants so well see what, what i happens? had i see i had an agent put the implant um, injector on that bench right and then what we did was we psychically willed you through remote viewing right to ram that knee into the bench and the uh-huh. blood is where the injector put the implant right right inside well it must have injected me in like five places here it then. does it's like it's like the polio vaccine in kindergarten oh yeah you know? yeah yeah. It has all the little teeth on it yeah 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 that's that's how it works oh okay so what am i gonna get it's an implant and we're just you know it allows us to observe you and um, from my knee start saying that well it gets in your bloodstream that way and to start saying the things we want oh, you to okay say. okay Makes me wonder about um, people that are... Former federal agents? No, just people that are... We we were talking about this, too, because there's a lot of people we know that seem to get off on thinking that the government is watching them. And... um, Or we know about, anyway. And it just seems like... When people tell me that, are you worried somebody's watching? It's like, no. I think I have been watched in the past, but... There's nothing I can do about it. One, there's nothing I can do about it. And two, more importantly, I'm not yeah. doing anything wrong. There you go. See? That, that, not, that, and that, the same thing, why I'm not going to ask for my I am not dealing drugs. I'm not yeah. even take drugs. I don't download child porn. I don't, right. you know, I'm not uh, kiting checks. I'm not really doing it. Not really. I'm not doing anything wrong at all. So what, what am I supposed to do? I kind of am I, am I supposed to sit around feeling scared all the time? I I kind of assume that they don't. I mean that they don't care about me anymore. I've been out long enough, and if anything, I probably just irritate them. Because <laughs> I, you know, it's, the other thing is, 
Well, so what if somebody's watching or not watching yeah. me? You know, it, it's it it doesn't matter. And the thing is, if somebody is watching you, yeah, you will not know it unless they want you to know it. That's right. I I can vouch for that. I tell you, if Uncle Sam's watching you, folks, it, we can do it without you knowing about it. Um, Anybody, for that matter, yeah. private investigators, anyone. Except bumbling. Oh, Uncle Sam can do the better job than yeah, any yeah. police force or any yeah. private investigator. They're, they're, yeah, the government is not as bumbling as stupid as you would think. And I know there's a lot of car salesman PIs out there with all the gizmos and the uh, hey guy, hey guy, hey guy kind of attitude. And no, they can't, you know, because, and they know, and even the ones that were Uncle Sam spooks, they know damn well that there's some things Uncle Sam has access to that they ain't going to have um, just because. But, um, you know, those guys don't act like the car salesman type that I'm talking about. The car salesman type know, know who they are. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, if they want to watch you, they, they can do it, and you'll never know it. And, you know, they got to jump through hoops to do it in spite of what some people believe. Um, but uh, I'll tell you what, even if you are a natural-born U.S. citizen, boys and girls, you can be looked at for up to 90 days. And that's the law. That's federal law. And that's just the way it is. And there's reasons for that. And, you know, hey, that's the way it is. And so if you're not up to no good, don't worry about it. You know, but uh, yeah, no, some people, they um, do enjoy, I think, the the idea that, you know, Uncle Sam's watching. In some cases, Uncle Sam might be. You know, I don't know. But like I said, I, I like to assume now that, you know, some of my former colleagues or at least the guys in my former outfits, but with as far as I'm concerned, they most of them probably wish I'd just shut up and quit saying I used to work for the outfit. <laughs> it's like, oh, there goes Bosley again, admitting he was OSI. God damn it. Can't we take him off the, the roster or whatever? No, it's a matter of record. Oh, shoot. You know, so. But, I, you know, I did good work while I was there, and that's what counts. Doesn't matter if I'm out of my mind now. I did good work while I was there. See, this is the point we should have played the Hollywood Gay Alliance thing. Why? Because I can't think of what we can talk about next. Oh, I can think of a lot of things we could talk about next. For instance, uh, um, uh, you know, Chukababa. Chukababa. Where is that? I, I was looking for stuff. Sa- Sasquatchy. Sasquatchy. Sasquatch. Sasquatch. That's the one I like. Sasquatch. Wow, wow, yeah, for, those, for those who did wow. not attend, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something, listeners there at home. Um, I revealed six carousels across these great United States that are located on ley lines um, from the map that many of you know that I have. Um, I've never revealed this before, but six carousels on ley lines um, that you, you, the listener at home, can go experiment with and see if you experience some of the same phenomena that I've talked about. I did that at the conference, those six. Only the people who attended know those six. And, you know, if you buy the DVD or, um, you know, you happen to know the people who attended the conference, that's how you'll find out about them. And the next time I'm going to reveal, next time I'm on, which might be a couple of months from now, um, I'm going to reveal something I found embedded into a public place which is an esoteric, alchemical, psychotronic walking course. It's a path embedded in a very public place that hundreds of people go to daily that you can follow this path and, you know, you will see these things 
out in plain sight, and once you see them and notice it, part of the thing you'll be amazed by is that nobody else gets it. There's a lot of mouth breathers out there that just, you know, live on the superficial level. And I'm going to reveal that place the next time I speak. And, uh, you know... Um, Chukabagmers? Chukababa. Um, this guy. This guy. Nick has searched for Chupapaka. Chupacabra. Chupapaka. Chupapaka. Sounds like Chewbacca. Chupa, Chupapaka is what he said. That's my next T-shirt. I think so. I think so. I think so. I, I am Chupabaka too. I find what we were talking about at the conference to be... I'm kind of bored with E.T. It's like, okay, you know, it's there. I, I find I find other things much more interesting there. Yeah. I... I read all these things. I've talked to all these people, and it's been so long, and I've been hearing this for so long, but I only hear it from these old line people, right. the few that I you know, really respect. We have Another a phone call. We have a caller. Let's see if we have a winner. Uh, and Greg is answering the phone now. Be a wiener. It's, uh, and uh, Greg has identified the station hey, of the caller. Um, and the caller is... Who is it? Greg is asking the Ralph, caller. Ralph, really? It's Ralph. Uh, Ralph Mouth? Oh, well, I kept saying hello. Ralph, oh, Ralph hello. Meeker, um, Ralph the grocery store chain guy, um, somebody named Ralph. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. So, um, yeah, yeah. Like I said, I like talking about things uh, other than ET. Usually, my personal time. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of personally just ugh on the whole ET thing. Uh, it, it just doesn't interest me that much uh, anymore because these other things that I'm experiencing. I'm still trying to figure out how to have a successful relationship with a woman. I mean, good yeah. Lord. I, ET, forget about that crap. That's, wow. You know, I'm still trying to nail this uh, this man-woman thing, and um, I think that's what I'm here for. I, I do. I have embraced the, the a concept of uh, reincarnation. And some of my colleagues are in disagreement with me as to you know the the specifics of that or or, or my interpretation. Oh, like um, but uh, I personally, you know, we can only base these things on our own experience and research. Part of the purpose is trying to figure out human relations, so to speak. Um, you know, there's the whole karma thing. Um, but uh, it's part of the reason we come down here. Um, that doesn't mean if I wasn't that if I was confronted with an ET situation, I wouldn't be fascinated and enthused and interested. Of course I would, but um, it's just you know I, I was for me uh, my woo ah fascination with ET was 25, 30 years ago or more. I've moved on beyond that, and um, it's more of uh, okay, cool, they're out there. Um, so what? It's and and all discussions now to me are just a rehash of the same damned thing. That's been going on for 25, 30 years. To me, it's like talking religion or politics. It's pointless. It's useless. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about uh, interdimensional phenomena. Let's talk about psychotronic phenomena. Let's talk about red wine. Um, you know, let's talk about... Uh, well, Greg, who was that? That was Ralph Kuhn. You don't remember Ralph. He was here in one of the first shows you came on uh, in 05 or okay. so. He's a director of that uh, film, Whispers from Space, the Gray Barker biopic, okay, the first okay. one that was made okay. in the, um, oh, God, he's going to have to tell me what. Is what he related he to Gene? 
No, no, no. Oh. Not that I know of. Anyway, I haven't seen him in years. Gene Kuhn, the Star Trek. Yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Um... Yeah, and he's he's uh, he said he listens to the show once in a while. I was like, shit, God, God damn it! So um, very cool. Yeah, so I gave him my number. He's going to give me a call later, and you got to have him on sometime. Yeah, I'll, if if well, if he's around, I'll have him on. I, I got to find out if he's uh, can come by. You can use technology. Do it on the phone. We just did a whole conference. Oh, know, that's right. Phone. That's right. I can do it on the phone. <laughs> I'm being a bit sarcastic yeah. with the technology. He, part, does, he doesn't live Lord, close could, to he, the studio. He could phone it in, man. Yeah, that'd be a good one. Yeah. All right. That is so cool to hear from Ralph. Um, I met him, I guess, because we both did zines. He had a zine called The Last Prom. Okay. Um, he did features on Gray Barker. He did he did a great feature on um, uh, Gene Scott. Remember Reverend Gene Scott? Yeah, The guy that would absolutely. sit there with yeah. it, and he, he would say, send me your money. He had the, the dry erase board. And he'd always write his stuff, and he's always all pity. He'd get all pissed and he off. And people. Yeah, he'd look over his glasses. And his and his daughter says. is uh, was uh, still is, uh, I think he's dead now. Um, uh, Who's his daughter? Right. Oh, no, You're no, no. thinking of Wally George. I'm thinking of Wally George. That's Wally right. Wally George. Rebecca de Mornay is, is Wally George's George. daughter. Yeah, I don't know who. But he he would do this like he he was on public no what is it he was like on some some weird yeah, he, ass UHF station yeah yeah and he yeah. would he would just sit there for hours and lecture you about stuff well he, he would one he, time he would he do was, analysis yeah, um, right of news even down to et, and, well no of of scripture yeah. and he would get into the etymological thing and and that's one thing that's the one thing i appreciated about gene scott is he would get into the etymology yeah. Of the, uh, you know the etymological analysis, you know the word construction, right. the history and stuff, and then uh, and the then once in a while he'd cut away and say, "Look what I'm doing with all this money you're you're sending in," and he'd show you his like stable of horses. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ah. he was honest. I he was I, a sincere TV preacher. Yeah, yeah. You know, rather than a lot of the, you know, a friend of mine was watching his show once and like he was talking about some esoteric thing, and all of a sudden he like stopped and he looked up and he said, "Breakfast cereal for everybody." <laughs> and he, he had some guy run around the studio to all the guys that were doing the cameras and the lights and right. give them cereal with milk. He, he said they, they pointed the camera up in the you know up in the rafters and the guys up there with a cereal bowl waving. Thanks, Gene. I like that. My gosh, you know what, Greg? This is a damn keeper. Okay, we've this is the third caller. We're having a great conversation here. Callers, I want you to send listeners. I want you to send in messages. I want you to call in and tell Greg to keep this to post this show. Because this is a good one, and we don't want Greg. Oh, we don't want Greg to let this sh- great show go by without posting it. Oh, so, I'll post. Oh God, I'll post. This it. is don't a good you one. worry about that. This is a good one. Uh, it's Ward again. Do you hear us? Oh Lordy! Hey, hey guys. No, I just uh, I'll be quick this time instead of like <laughs> last weekend. Just say uh, really enjoyed the conference uh, this weekend. Ray, really? did you? Don't 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 uh, don't sugarcoat or anything. No, no, no. I really I really didn't like it good. at all. Okay, good. No. No, I had a great. No, honestly, the speakers were awesome. I enjoyed the entire thing. Um, uh, uh, Walter went into some stuff, and I know he won't talk about it again, but that blew me away uh, during his. Um, well, it depends on what it is. I'll, I'll repeat some of it. Can you hear me? I, I said. Yeah, we can uh, hear you. I mean, you know, mention what it is. I'll, I'll repeat some of it. I just don't want to give the real juicy tidbits away that I haven't revealed yet. Oh, just you know the locations of the carousels and, right, and what yeah. you can. You know how you can go investigate them yourself, and um, yeah, I found that really, really interesting. Especially how you said, you know, 
just the process in which you do that, and, and uh, I'm, I'm kind of intrigued. Well, try it. Get out there and try it. And, oh, by the way, you need to send me an email with how to contact you living up there. You're up in, you live out in San Bernardino area? Yeah, I sure do. Yeah, up in, uh, up in Rain Springs, yeah. Holy crap, man. We need to have coffee at that little, uh, little old diner there in the little, or something. You're, hey, check, uh, your, check your email, man. I already sent you an email this weekend. <laughs> okay, all right. I've been away, from, you know, so I've been not yeah, at the computer so much. He doesn't want to check so his email on, on my computer for some reason. It's probably because I'm recording every keystroke so that I can hey, spy on him, too. It's hard to get a hold of the stars in the paranormal field. I mean, Walter's about the only one who put his his, uh, ad, his uh, email address out there for all his little peons to uh, <laughs> to contact. My my address is freely available. It's yeah. that Greg at Radio Mysterioso. Well, I know, I know. But before you actually before you put that up though, Greg, it, uh, it was almost impossible except on message boards. To get oh yeah, yeah. Because it, yeah, it's just that I was really wanted to get everything consolidated into. If you're going to send me an email dealing with the radio show, I want a radio show email for it. Right. Because no, I get ads that. on oh. other ones, and I get, like, friends of mine that have no interest in the UFO or paranormal, anything on other ones. Like, so if it comes on a Radio Mysterioso, I know it's somebody for the show. Or it's a Somalian oil thing. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, uh, Greg, I was the one who asked that question yesterday about, about the Lanny Trace cases. Yeah. And, um, no, I, I think the, the, the thing broke up because I don't know if you heard... I, I could barely hear myself. It was echoing back when I asked the question. But, yeah, yeah. But, you have to do the, they had to do the actually, turn the radio uh, down, sir. Can answer now. Uh, what I was asking was not, you know, well, it must be physical, so therefore it can't be any of your theory. Yeah. What I was asking was, um, do you think we can go any further with landing trace cases than we have in the past? Um, you know, it seems to me like Ted Maybe. Phillips, or, uh, sorry, yeah, Ted Phillips has got, what, you know, six or 7,000 landing trace cases. Yeah. And, uh, you know, who knows if the, if he's got radiation from one, if it's contaminated another. Uh, I mean, there's half-life on these things. I think we them. can. So I, I think. Any, I mean, what, where else can we go with Lanny Trace cases? And do those things even happen anymore? I don't know. I would I would venture to say that they do, but you don't hear about them too much. No, that's you that's don't. kind of weird. You know, it, why is that? And why? And you know, like I said in the talk, why don't see anybody people people see any like one eyed monsters or beer can shaped robots or anything anymore? Or, right, like the Kelly, like the Kelly creatures. Yeah, the Kelly creatures or the, or the Pascagoula things that look like Kachinas or anything like that. Um, and that's just more evidence for me of you know we, we're molding the experience to fit our expectations. I'm not saying there's no experience, and I'm not saying nothing happened, and I'm not saying there wasn't anything physically there. But I think that when that before that information hits our conscious awareness, it's already been categorized, and so we don't actually know what's going on. Um, yeah, if you burn your hand on a stove, you've burnt your hand on a stove. I mean, that's that's a common thing to everybody. But not everybody sees aliens walking out of spaceships every day. So, you know, whatever is being seen there, it's being remembered as that. And even if it's multiple people, they re some of them remember it the same way, some of them don't. But what you said about the trace cases, and if you weren't clear or I wasn't clear or whatever, um, we'll set it straight now. Yes, I think there can be stuff um, there can be information gleaned from trace cases. And the way to do that is to very carefully computerize all that data just like i think every land every ufo case ever in the history of ufology should be put into a massive database and just start looking for patterns in the data based on different ideas let's look at time of day and the person's like religious whatever let's look at um um region of the country and 
if the person's been divorced recently. Just stuff like that. You know what? I think that, you know, for the gathering information, that would be very useful. And I think looking at the data creatively could reveal stuff. I I have a lot of faith in that. I I think ufology needs to be moneyballed. It need, we, we, we watched Moneyball last night. It needs to be Moneyballed, a new, a whole new way of approaching it, a whole, the game of ufology, to change the whole game. And again, the oldsters, just like in the movie, the ones that have been there, they're going to bitch and they're going to moan. But you know what? Ufology needs to be Moneyballed. If that phrase gets out there anywhere else, but here, you heard it here first, folks. Yeah, no. You know, it, what's interesting is, um, I don't know what you mean by Moneyball, but... Uh, um, uh, an, an application of statistical analysis unlike had ever been done before. Oh, well, I would agree with that because uh, what I was going to say is, um, you know, things that, that aren't talked about much anymore or there might be correlations, like Greg just said, like, are, is the person, like, divorced or just a weird kind of non-sequitur thing, but also yeah. um, also huh. so much as, like, it, what Keel said, what is it, um, what is it about, like, uh, people, like, making out or having sex in a car that they observe these things, or maybe, and what is it about, you know, like, as strange as it sounds, like women menstruating, yeah. that, that causes these things to be, uh, you know, to be seen or, or attracted to, and maybe they should start asking that question, did you, you yeah. know, if it's a woman, or if there's a woman in the family, when you saw this, uh, this object, was you, were you menstruating? That's yeah. such a, you know, I've never even thought about pursuing that line. Yeah, I think that, and I've said this before, too, I think that, uh, the questioning and the, the the forms people give to people to when they have a sighting or online or whatever should have as much ridiculously personal yeah you know, personal and stuff that people just wouldn't even think were you know was relevant right. it, within reason I guess but yeah it, Ward you're exactly right and I I hundred percent agree with you it's the the I think the patterns in the data are being they're waiting for one, you know, us to gather it, and two, somebody to be creative about how they analyze the data. The last time this was done that I know of was Valet did it in the 60s, and he took as many cases, he probably a few hundred cases, and put them on computer cards, like punch cards or those giant magnetic cards they used to have then, and he threw them into a computer and had, had him do the data, and that's how he found out about the Wednesday phenomenon. Where most of the thing, yeah, most the of the sightings thing. happened yeah. on Wednesdays, like in the summer or something like that, between like you know two and five in the morning Be- or something between, like that. Between beer number twelve and beer number twenty. <laughs> <laughs> you know, hey guys, let me ask both of you, Greg. You you know you ran the excluded middle for a while, and Walters had experience in this. Um, something I wanted to ask you about at first, it just sounds like it's one question, but on the other, it's, it's on the, the below it, it's another question. Yeah. Do you guys know anything about the phantom leaf phenomenon in Curlian photography? I know about Curlian photography. I don't know about that, Walter. The, the what? What the was what the first phenomenon? Part? Sorry, the phantom leaf phenomenon. The phantom yes, leaf? Yes, yes. Where they, oh, oh, they will yeah, tear out part of a leaf, and then when they put it in the Curlian photography, the entire leaf shows up? Correct. Yeah. Yes. Now, um, uh, from what I've read and from what I've heard is that that's a, it's a rare phenomenon, but, there, look, but, see, you're the lucky one. Here's the here's the sirens. You win the lottery, Ward. <laughs> right on, cool. Well, maybe I, maybe the lottery can be meeting you guys someday. That'd be great. Just a second. Just okay. Here we go. Go ahead. Okay. Um, uh, no, I was going to say that winning the lottery, be meet, uh, meeting you guys someday, and uh, you know, um, and uh, just just rapping about this stuff because it's fun to rap with you by distance, anyways. 
Um, well, send it, no. send uh, send Walter or me an email and tell us when and where you want. I can't meet most of the time now. I can, Monday through Wednesdays in the day is the only time I can meet now. Okay. Well, yeah, no sweat, man. Or, or weekends, actually. But, yeah, I've, uh, the two jobs really kind of wipe me out. Cool. Well, uh, what I was going to say, the Phantom Lee phenomenon, what I was, yeah. what I was trying to say is uh, it, it appears that it's a very rare phenomenon. However, this is the most significant part about it, and this opens up a whole other thing, and that is it appears that the person doing the experiment is affecting the experiment. Yes. So there are certain individuals that get it much more than others. Right, right. And that, and like you've talked about this before, I mean, what is it about that individual? Is it their mood? Was it, you know, what in the world happened that, that can affect the outcome for that? And if that's the case, uh, let's do it with some things that we know we can repeat all the time and see if we can get different results. Yeah, uh, th- this has been, you know, what you talk about has been observed in all kinds of um, psychic and sometimes even statistical research where the feelings of the, uh, maybe not statistical, but um, where the feelings of the researcher or the person doing the, you know, how much they believe in whatever it is affects very strongly the outcome. And it's not because it affects the outcome for them or how they report it to people. It affects the outcome in in real tangible ways that a third-party observer who is taking down the, 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 the data, who does not believe in it, can observe for themselves. Like um, right. when Yuri Geller is in it, and everybody's going to get mad. Yuri Geller's a fake. But bear with me when he was in. And uh, these are, uh, there are other psychics and people like this too. And um, during during uh, psychic research that this happened to. And it's it seems like if the experimenter is either, the, 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 the person doing the experiments is either open to it or actively believes in or wants the phenomenon to happen it will happen a lot easier than if they're not if you like for instance if you have a bunch of people going around saying yuri geller is a fake and he never has not, never done anything psychic then there's a lot less likelihood that he's going to bend a piece of nitinol which is that unbendable metal unless you heat it to like 300 degrees inside of a sealed glass tube you know right. like barry tap dr barry tap observed yeah exactly and it and it's you know for a for a fundamentalist, you know, materialist person, it's like, well, you know, then obviously these people are lying and they're reporting things wrong. And, you know, I can't believe that for every single instance of this, especially with people with, uh, if you read the um, some of the literature, especially people with certain interests who have a reputation to protect and don't seem to do this in other cases and don't, you know, in half the time or more than half the time, they're saying, well, nothing happened. And then once in a while they'll say, here's something very interesting that did happen. Why don't you try to replicate it? Some people can, some people can't. But if everybody, if not everybody can, then the way the model works right now, as you know, is that it's not accepted. Because right, feelings and beliefs don't enter into it. They shouldn't. thing we saw back in the 90s about, the, about cold fusion. Yeah, <laughs> True, and that seems like it would be a real robust thing rather than, you know, moving, moving, you know, bending keys or, well, keys is pretty robust, but um, guessing cards or, or moving a piece of paper with your mind that's, you know, sealed inside of a glass jar or whatever. It would seem that something as, as like I said, robust as, um, what did you just mention? A cold fusion. Yeah, as cold fusion should be reproducible by people. And then, and it died for a while, but now it's coming back for some reason. And people supposedly are reporting uh, reproducible results again. Wow, that, I just find that whole thing fascinating. That yeah. uh, 
maybe belief can affect the outcome of something. And, and if you are actually consciously aware that the belief can affect the outcome, can you affect the belief causing that outcome? Yeah, exactly. How recursive <laughs> does it have to be, you know? Right. You know, it'd be, and I'm, I am certain that people have done experiments in belief and with third-party observation and, you know, double-blind and all that. Um, I'll have to check through my old issues of the uh, SSE journal. But, yeah, I, I think it's a fairly established fact that um, belief and expectation has a very definite effect on a lot of these um, uh, psychic experiments. And, you know, by extension, I think this informs me, and I'm glad you reminded me, of the UFO thing and ghosts and Bigfoot and all that. I think our expectations have a a very big effect on what happens, what we see, what we remember, and what happens in the local area when the people are experiencing it. Well, it, it, it's like, uh, um, um, help me out here, uh, Terrence McKenna, um, yeah. when he said that him and his brother, I believe it was, saw the, the, those Adansky kind of craft. Yeah. So I wonder if it was, you know, it was, it was them that were projecting it and somehow they were manifesting it or something. Yeah, either they were manifesting it or there was something there that they both interpreted that way or there really was some sort of an Adamski saucer flying over the, the river in South America. Who knows? I mean, I, I find that a very interesting data point. I don't know exactly what to do with it, but I do think that it fits in with what we're just talking about, and I'm glad you brought it up. Um, one last thing before, uh, if anybody else would call in, and uh, I don't want to hog the show like I did last week, but uh, God, would you guys give any what uh, a, what a or, or uh, any interest in uh, McKenna's time wave, time wave Zero thing? Not familiar with it, but I'll look into it. It's a, uh, I think it's a lot of what the 2012 stuff was built on. Yeah, mm. but it was a hell of a lot long. It was, a, it was way, way, way back, yeah. Bandwagon. Which might make it more interesting than the more recent 2012 stuff. Yeah, well, he said. Well, Ward, why don't you describe it? Well, I'm 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 certainly not a um, me either a, a, a specialist in this, but from what I understand, me either there is some kind of um, junction point um, that has to do. Oh, boy, I'm I'm going to get way out of my out of my uh, area. <laughs> it's of, okay, uh, me too. I don't no worry about it. We're not experts. Yeah, no. Well, I think what his theory was is that there's some kind of. Um, it's not synchronicity. That's a bad word. Um, there's something happening with with time, and that there is a. It's all culminating to come together at one point, and all of this is preceded. He was talking about this on Art Bell show back in the early nineties. Yeah. Um, and it's all preceded um, by the whole Mayan kind of thing, and I think he just found that as a coincidence that he found that in, intriguing. But but uh, uh, gosh, I you know I, my uh, knowledge is really limited in this area. Well, join, okay. the, join the club because none of us. There are... we go. Time weight zero. Yeah. Uh, Greg is now looking it up. Um, uh, McKenna views history with its hunger for completion as an anomaly, a complete fluke, in which all ideas of salvation, enlightenment, and utopia may be taken to be expressions in the consciousness of the drive of energy to free itself from the limitations of three dimensional space. Oh, another individuation. As, yeah, idea. as history hmm. races toward its denouement, like which it. may be the 2012 thing, evolution is carried out out of strictly biological confines and into the mental realm, where language and other abstractions begin begin to pull us together towards a complex attractor that, that exists ahead of us in time. This concrescence, says McKenna, is now so close that it can be felt in the sense of accelerating time and complexity. 
that's what his time wave zero thing was. Be, and it sort of sounds like the uh, idea that, you know, the, the information doubling thing uh, enters into that, where, you know, all information is all known human knowledge and information uh doubles to the point where it's going to be doubling like every 30 seconds pretty soon it's i think it, yeah, there was like a yeah there was like a saturation point where it all kind of culminated and something would have to give at that point yeah and then nobody was quite sure what it was although i'm sure there's um theories as to what would happen because of that or what would come out the other side but i'm not really familiar with those oh there um uh, and another thing you guys have been buffering like three or four times tonight that uh, i had a, i had a I had to drop off a couple of times and, 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 and retune in because um, I don't know why, but the buffer got pretty bad tonight. Oh, well, it's probably because I was on Facebook, and so I've, I've shut that off now. I was okay. waiting. If I don't have a guest on, on, on Skype, I will usually turn on the Internet to see if there's people trying to communicate with me by email or Facebook or whatever. Um, uh, crap, I, there was one last point I was going to make, but I lost it because we were talking about something else. Um, Oh come on! What are you smoking pot every day? <laughs> no, there was a. You're just uh, getting older, uh, like us. Was something to do with. Um, oh, that was it. Yes. Okay. Uh, Michu Kaku uh, has kept predicting that basically we're going to reach the limit of uh, silicone. Um, silicon. Silicon uh, uh, for for IC conductors for for computer chips and such. Yeah. And and. Um, you mean the limit of ter- speed that it, can be achieved on a silicon chip? Right, but the, see the thing is, is that um, we'll go to they do etching on silicone with what they. Right now, is um, they use basically ultraviolet lasers because they can get light so small. Yeah, and it t- it turns out that electron etching can now be done, hmm. and wow. um, that's actually it, it's not economical right now, but it, that's a huge breakthrough. It's that cool. means basically silicon is gonna 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 have like another ten years, so we don't have to like start going to um, you know molecule computers and. Oh, you mean um, quantum or, computing? Yeah, or molecular computing, or quantum computing, or atomic, you know, not atomic, but atom computing. So um, that's kind of a big breakthrough that not many people know about right now. No, oh, so, I didn't know about that. that that's that, that's interesting. That means I could have, um, like, uh, I could have a, whatchamacallit, I could have a server on my wristwatch. <laughs> yeah, it's getting incredibly, incredibly small. But I don't think it's going to be as radically different within the next, like, 10 years as we initially thought things are going to be. Yeah, like, well, you're not going to have it's, a crystal computer, that yeah, kind of thing. It's, it's, yeah, it, like you said, it's driven by uh, practicality and, pro- and mostly economics. I mean, is it cheaper to do it this way? And right. then for some people that it doesn't matter, like the government or some private industry, yeah, they're going full speed ahead with, um, with the quantum computing idea. And I see – actually, I see um, – Articles in uh, Nature magazine every few mo- every few weeks actually on new developments in quantum computing uh, theories and applications, and I don't quite understand them all. I have to read them a few times. I got what I did is I got my dad a, a subscription to Nature for his uh, for ber- for his uh, for Christmas, but because of, and he doesn't really have an iPad or anything, and I do, so I've done the I've subscribed to Nature, piggybacking on his subscription, so I can read these articles about whatever's going on, the latest thing in science, and sometimes it's something relevant to the UFO thing, which is why, and you know, I don't know exactly how all the time, but I, I that's why I chided a little bit. Um, uh, in my talk, a lot of uh, paranormal researchers and UFO researchers don't keep up on the scientific literature to see if there's some way they can kind of um, 
take some of these new advances and apply them to their methodology or get people who are in these areas interested in, you know, maybe even secretly sub rosa privately saying, here's some data. What can you do with this? And if I apply your theory, what can, you know, I'm sure well, that's why you're some... here, Greg. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, but, you know, um, you remember that interview you did with, um, it's an awesome interview, definitely like top 20, um, with uh, Robert Emmenager? That is funny because I want to bring him on again to him because I've been talking to him on the phone recently more than uh, I have in like a year. Oh, good. I mean, that is just such a good show. Um, And the guy is just, I mean, there is something in that entire thing of how he was allowed access to this entire thing and how he was just dangled with that footage, you know, to do this thing. And then he pulled out at the last second, you know? Yeah. And um, but but he talked about that, and you said it was I think in the Journal of Psychical Research or something about these Chinese um, experiments about sending something away, and it had like a beeping tone, and then would come, you know. The only one I remember, and I got a lot of crap for it from a few people, but I, you know I read it in the SSE journal, and it was it, if you're talking about it, it was people sending pieces of paper through the air from one can like 35 millimeter film canister to another, essentially teleporting them. Um, psychically, which sounds yeah. totally insane. Yeah, but, but that's amazing. I'd love yeah. to hear more about that. You know, and they could be lying. You know, it's from China, you know, whatever. But the the mistake we make is say, that's bullshit. Why not try and get a few people to reproduce this? And the funny thing was that the, the person involved said, look, we took people that, that as I'm remembering, remembering this properly, that were, one, interested in the thing, and, and had, had, these are students had a great interest in this, or people that otherwise were not, like, you know, established in their careers and in their lives. And they were kind of, you know, still searching, whatever. Um, Younger people, like in their late teens or early 20s, and over a course of a period of months taught them methods they thought that they could use to be able to do things like this. And then, you know, out of 20 or 30 people, two or three of them actually were able to kind of do it fairly regularly. And that was, you know, and the guy reported this in the SSE journal. Nothing really to back it up except to say this is what we did. This is what we found. Um, we don't have detailed notes on it, really, except, well, he said they did, but, you know, he didn't want to put them all in the journal, which is fine. But the thing is, what's interesting is I would love to see somebody else trying this and seeing how well it can be reproduced. But it takes a lot of time and a lot of patience and uh, and and money and things that not everybody has, especially somebody who could you know put this kind of experiment together. Do they have the wherewithal? Do they have the respect? Do they have the knowledge of how to do these experiments properly? I don't know, but I would love to see somebody try and reproduce this. And maybe they can't, but at least we'd know that, right? I just this that stuff's so cool, and I would you know wonder if they could try something like like that if uh, being like in an isolation tank would help them or something you know maybe so yeah maybe, maybe you got something there that's 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 a good idea and plus you guys have been wanting to try isolation tanks anyway so uh yeah go rightly you, keeps telling me to do it <laughs> next time you get some uh, dmt in isolation tank uh, give me a call <laughs> okay god i haven't seen dmt in like 20 years <laughs> i don't have yeah. any connections for that anymore Actually, I don't have any connections for anything. You stop doing drugs and people, and all that stuff seems to dry up. When I was doing the magazine, there were all kinds of people around me like that. 
<laughs> you mean, yeah, excluded metal, yeah. Yeah, somebody, somebody would have DMT, or I'd go to somebody's house and he'd have the, the psychedelic toad sitting in his house in, in, a, little, in a little aquarium tank. <laughs> and I was like, or he'd have another guy I went and visited in Berkeley, he had, he had um, peyote cactus. Growing in an, in a pot on his on his windowsill. I said, "What? Where'd you get that from?" I said, "I went and got it in Mexico. Some just, guy just pulled it out of the ground and sold it to me." But I don't okay. see people like that anymore. <laughs> Man, that's 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 intense. Um, one last question: uh, Did you um, uh, have you fall? I know I've asked this other times before, and I know you've been super busy with everything, and you too, Walter. But. Um, uh, uh, Anthony Sanchez. I know you know him. Yeah, I don't know him personally. Oh uh, yeah, he's a friend on Facebook. I, I saw him um, on a video interview, um, and of course the stuff they were talking about was pretty wacky. But um, that guy's really had some nerve damage to his face. Yeah. Um, and he claims it was you know either from touching something or somebody somebody gave him a a roofie, not a roofie, but you know some someone intentionally did this and said it was some kind of neurotoxin, but. Um, that's, I mean, his whole side of his face is completely paralyzed. Yeah. And that was astounding to me that, uh, I, and, and you could hear the difference in his voice from one interview to the next, mm -hmm. you know. And I was just like, wow, I mean, I wonder if this, you know, if, 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 if this just happened to, to him or, or, you know, this, 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 there was really some kind of correlation. Yeah. What, what would be a better way to have people pay attention to what you're saying than to attack the messenger? You know, oh Jesus, he really must be. You know, I, so I think that that people that are being saying things they're not supposed to, and I've talked about this with Walter and other people. Um, people are warned multiple times to stop what they're doing. I don't know if he was, maybe he was before anything like that could happen. There could be some crazy rogue person that messed with him, or it might just be something that was going to happen to him anyway, or it was caused by the stress of doing all this. I don't know. Um, all the way up to and including, yeah, maybe somebody was trying to send him a message. But like I said, I, th I think in, in a real-world situation, it's, I think it's extremely rare that anybody is, is um, silenced in any way, unless they're silenced permanently and after right. multiple uh, warnings to stop. I was thinking that if they just, I mean, you know, if, if it was because doing that, that is messy. super sensitive, they just get rid of them and stop talking. Yeah, because a lot of th that stuff is messy. All you have to do is tell somebody, look, you do any more of this and you're going to jail or, you know, your career is going to be ruined or, you know, whatever. Any, you can threaten anybody and make them paranoid in two seconds. You don't, have to, you don't have to hurt them, harm them, kill them, shoot them with neurotoxin or anything. Just discredit them. Yeah, just discredit them somehow. And, Walter, you said the government would never do something. I mean, in your line of work, there were, like, no assassins that worked for the Air Force, Right. Right. <laughs> So, right, this, yeah. I mean, you know, there would have to be something, like it'd have to be some kind of a contracting thing or something if that, if that actually ever happened. I mean, I'm sure the government has had to kill somebody in the well, past. Well, yeah, we, we have military snipers, obviously. Everybody knows about that, and that's really, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the, the closest thing to what people think of. But um, we, do, we don't have that kind of lethal force applied to, you know, people who... To, yeah, to work in the paranormal, and, and it's you know our own you know it it just it's I know it's sexy and 
you know, people think this, people think that, but... Yeah, why aren't presidents, you know, why wasn't Nixon assassinated? Why wasn't, you know, why was Clinton this... It's well, a lot easier Kennedy to... Kennedy was yeah. by That's what I mean. It's, it's a lot easier to warn, embarrass, Well, we're talking about somebody. the people. We're, talking, we're not talking about leaders. That, to yeah, me, okay, okay. That's, that's a different but, thing. W- well, my point is... Nixon was assassinated, when you think about it. Yeah, well, I, he kind of helped himself do it. Yeah, exactly. But, but the thing is, it's a lot easier to, it's a lot less messy to do everything before messing with them physically. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and you know, Danny Casalaro, we and talked about, And a lot easier warned, to deny. Yeah. You know, Danny Casalaro, as we know, was worn a lot. Um, you know, it's like, hey, not, knock this crap off. Um, I don't believe he was a suicide. I think he was murdered. And suicide. Yeah, I think I was. He was too, but I don't know if it was by the government. That's right. We don't. It know might it was by be a by entity. somebody who was connected to the government uh, somehow, or somebody who had a very strong interest yeah. in protecting right. his his connection to right. something that Casalero was you doing. Know, it's like this. Re- revealing. I have my questions about the official nine eleven story, but the idea that George W. Bush was part of it and inside, you know, that kind of inside thing to me is a crock of bullshit. Now. I do think there's something very fishy about 9-11, but no, I don't believe it was an inside job by the Bush administration. Come on, people. Anyway, yeah, you can get, you can drive yourself crazy. Yes. Dean Radin said this to me, and I could not believe he said this. You can make somebody paranoid in minutes. Right. Particularly these days. Good Lord. Especially somebody that, yeah, especially somebody that you is primed for that kind of thing. What were we talking about earlier that we said we'd talk about tonight? Um, at the house. Ward, you still there? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm. Yeah. Absolutely. No. I was thinking. You, you already covered the, uh, we'll the Bill Moore FBI documents. Yeah. I just while it was on my mind, I thought I'd ask you. Uh, I can't remember. Oh, it was individuation and how you were saying you were saying that the individual once you become individualized, that's the higher form of whatever's going on. Or I asked the question, you know, uh, so many people assume that, oh, people that gravitate towards collectivism, you know, and and and, you know, everybody is one. Well, well, that that's a higher evolved person. And I argue, wait a minute. We you can't say that. It sounds good, you know, because, yeah, it's always nice when people help each other out in a group. But how do you know that the, an individual isn't better uh, psychically and, and psychologically in every way um, more evolved because they can handle being individuated? See, and that, that was the theme of what we were talking about earlier right. today. Walter, did you go through basic training? I went through officer training school. Okay, so you obviously know what group thinking is all about. Oh, yes. So you developed an affinity or appreciation for individuation after being through something like that. Well, I I had the appreciation to begin with or I would not have been accepted into officer training school. Um, And because as they taught us, we are supposed to think we're the guy out there that's supposed to think outside the box. Because, and I'm speaking theoretically here, okay? So my enlisted friends, please don't shoot at me. I'm talking theory here, guys. I respect you immensely. But seriously, in, in my view, um, you know, the, the, the officers there to, and this is based on what they were training us to do, our job, part of our job is to think outside the box. That's, you know... That, that that's kind of what it is, and what does an outside the box? What is an outside the box thinker? They they behave as an individual, 
you know. Um, but there's also the reason why there is the regulation in, in the group. That there is a reason for that. And I don't like to call it group think because when I think of that phrase, I think of, um, I think of it in a negative term. Um, yeah. People that get stupid, more dumb. I, I've, in fact, I've seen people get more stupid under group think um, than I've seen them as individuals. And to me, the group think, and I'm not saying you're saying this, Ward, but to me, the concept right. of group think is not what the military is. And people yeah, that have been in the military know exactly what I'm talking about, and they share the same aggravation with me when civilians with no military experience make that mistake to think we're all a bunch of dummies because we were in the military, you know, and uh, well, you I don't even go there. Well, you have to follow chain of command and hierarchy. And there's a reason for it. It's so that the machine works good and works smoothly. But, yeah, yeah I anyway, to go back to what you were saying, yes, I went through OTS, and, um, you know, um, I think because of my position of being comfortable with being an individual, I think that's what makes me a better officer, made me a better officer. I just like hearing that come out from, uh, come from the mouth of a person who was in the military, someone who values individual, uh, individuality. Oh, and, uh, well, let me, yeah, let me no, tell no, you, well, yeah. I, I am. Some people like to, you know, some people would call me a Republican, and then they watch me cringe a little bit. I, I'm what one of these people that's, I'm a. Um, Non affiliated. A, a libertarian. I am a conservative libertarian. Okay, what that means is, and I know my conservative Republican friends hate this when I say it, but I am basically what they would call a social libertarian. I don't care if gay people want to get married. I don't care if, you know, 12 people, you know, uh, everybody but three people I know like to smoke pot, you know, after they get off work or something. You know, I, I don't care about that stuff, what you do in your individual life. And you're right, I vehemently defend individuality and in, in the individual. Um, that's that's my position. Yeah, I was always told, and it makes sense to me now, as far as, far as foundational uh, thinking is, you vote person, not party. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's individuality. Yeah. yeah. That, that's not exactly what Walter and I were talking about. He was talking about the new agey idea, and this is all legit. Right, and, right, right. Going back to our conversation, one, you know, once you know, a different conversation, and everything you were saying. Well, I agree about, with Walter. Well, I, I'm talking about the new agey, and and I don't want to get into it, but but the political too. I mean, this is why I am, um, yeah, uh, the, not not. This is why I don't like socialism. Yeah. Because well, it's, it's the in individual sacrifice as, everything you are and you want to be yeah, for the good you, of the whole. Because you that. said new agey, and I was not bringing right. politics into right, right, it at right. all. Um, but that's a part of it, you know. Because his his idea was that you know when you when you reach a certain point in your personal and spiritual evolution, you become an individual person yeah, and you and can handle that. it. And my argument you was, become an individual sentient being. Yeah. My argument was, my, I look at it in sort of at least right now in the Hindu way, where there's a giant net if you will, and we are all nodes in that net. I, I like that better than what most people, um, yeah. how most people And we're would all connected it. in some way. Yeah, they would However, describe us the, as one you know, big the, ball. But yeah, I, like I, I, would, I would say that, the, you know, that, that that node in the net is just as important as the rest of the net. And I would say, I would take that farther, and my, my interpretation of the net idea is that we are all nodes who can connect when we choose. Yeah. If we choose, the ability is there to do it, but it doesn't mean that we are whether we like it or not. I, I don't believe that. And, and most know, of the people that tell you, well, yeah, that's the way it is, well, guess what, a-hole? That's your theory. You know, there, it's weird. Walter brought up this, uh, not, and it's not so much on reincarnation, but I actually heard this. I'm, for some reason, I'm attributing this concept to Whitley Strieber. 
but um, and it's completely possible that it, that it did come from him. But I always thought this is very interesting. This concept, and that is that that the the concept of meditation makes um, a person essentially that they can. Hmm, okay, um, how do I explain this? Uh, the meditation focuses an individual thought, but right. also basically their consciousness. Uh huh. And that when we depart this body as like through death, right. if we don't have individuation or we're not aware of our consciousness, right. then we go back to some kind of a soul stream and get through that cycle again to get to the point to where we can understand we're an individual. But I thought it was very interesting you saying you have to differentiate yourself yes. through meditation somehow to get out of the... to. to to be consciously aware of yourself when you die. I just thought that was very interesting. Yeah, to me, I, I like that because to me... No, I, a, I, I would say that's a valid model, yeah. I, I don't think uh, becoming part of the one big blob that is all consciousness um, is the ultimate goal of you know the evolved uh, being. To me, the, the pinnacle of the evolved being is the one who has individuated himself or herself. And actually, it, if we were to go into this deeper, longer... Um, interesting way of putting it. Um, it it's, we are actually much more individual through this process than some people want to believe. Here's the thing, Ward, and, and here's what I was telling Greg. I just think there's some people in the physical that their personality is is they, 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 they like to be close. It's like people who like living in the city and people like living in the boonies. The people who like being around other people and being connected and be the social butterflies, the social animals are the ones who love cities and they tend to be the collectivists. The people that really don't necessarily need all this connection to other people, um, they're the ones who live out in the boonies and they tend to be more of the individuals. And here's what's interesting. You live in the city, you, you, and I'm speaking very rhetorically and very basically here to prove, to make a point, to illustrate a point. Those who live in the city become um, a lot more dependent upon others and the, the, all the multiple processes out, you know, where, outside themselves, whereas the person who lives in the boonies, they have to find a way within themselves to know how to survive individually. Now, I ask you, wh wh you know, when you look on the spectrum there, well, to me, yeah. what's what's more advanced? The person who becomes self-reliant, you know, and self-capable, okay? You, you know what's the most advanced to me, Walter, and that I think is away from what you were talking about, no matter how individuated or not they mm -hmm. are, my, my pinnacle of the evolved person is somebody that um, that truly cares about other people and their feelings. and You can be an individual and care about other people. I know that. Yeah. Okay, but I'm saying uh, apart from that and the individuation and all that yeah. is the the compassion level of people. I that's the evolve for me. Well, Whether you're yeah, stupid like or that. smart or living out in the middle no, I would of nowhere, agree with that. but you know, okay, you're sitting at the edge of the highway and you've been in a car wreck and 30 people will pass you. And one person, whether they're an idiot, smart, or a whatever, loner, or a yeah, or whatever. whatever, stops and says and pulls you out of the burning wreck or whatever and helps you and gets the police. That's the evolved person. Okay, to me. but but what? Okay, but or, again, what know. is that person? That is an individual acting through their. You know what I'm saying? It, you you didn't say you know like it's and and it could be a carload of people, but we're speaking in generalities Whatever. here. You know, to, to make a point. But that's what I'm saying is 50 people could pass you by, but it's the one person who stops. Well, there you go. See, I argue that the person who's truly the evolved individual, they actually they actually display 
more compassion, relatively So you think speaking, somebody in a mind because control they take cult action as an is going to be is going to be less likely to help somebody out than somebody who lives out in the middle of nowhere and yes, and, and you know why? You know why? Because that individual who's been out there, no, out there nowhere, okay. who's learned to be self-reliant, the, the, yeah. they they know what it's like to fail and stumble, and they know when another person is out there, they will help them. Whereas the well, person I, in the I cult, whether, if you're outside yeah. the cult. You know. Okay, whether individuated or not, uh, uh, working on it, not aware of it, whatever. If yeah. you care about other people, I think that, to me, that transcends okay. the and I, collective, individual, anything like that. Okay. I but, think but, I feel that that is more important. Well, and that, that is of utmost importance, you know, one of the things of utmost importance. But that, to I me, that neither to negates... I agree with you if you've got no others. more of who you are, yeah. that you would be more likely to know, to be able to empathize with other people. There you go. Of course, you. Are we you turning would. you off there, Ward? <laughs> no, not at all. I'm. 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 I'm but that I'm, doesn't negate the things I was saying. That's no, it just, doesn't negate it. I don't think they're as important as being compassionate. But I guess that's the Buddhism okay. thing coming through for me. However, and I don't sometimes, talk about it very much. sometimes, sometimes you do have to let people pick themselves up, though. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you have to know when to do that, too. I've got friends that would come over and say, can I stay at your place? Can I borrow some money? After four, five, six, eight times, I'm not helping you. I am, I am enabling you. That's right. I am not going to help you anymore. I am sorry. Well, I am very sorry, but I can't help you anymore. But you can and I'm not also, doing this to be mean. I'm just doing it because, look, look, it's doing neither of us any more good. But you can also get to a point where you recognize that maybe you shouldn't do that the first time they ask. There are some situations where you should say, you know what? No, I'm not going to do that. But well, maybe I'll do this other thing that will help you be able to do that for yourself. It depends on the kind of person yourself. they are and how long I've known them and well, all of that. of course, everything depends. However, if a stranger asks me for help, it's it's really weird. I've got this thing in my mind, like people asking for money or whatever. If I don't think about it, yeah. if I don't say either, oh, okay, get away from me, here's some money, right. or, oh, that poor yeah. person, here, here, I will help you. If I can keep those ideas out of my head... Yeah. I feel I have a more pure motivation for whatever I'm going to do for or with okay. or whatever that person it, person is. And that that's not to make me feel better or worse about anything. Okay. I think the less I can feel about it emotionally, the more right. I have some sort of peace with it. Okay. Um, and with friends, it's a little difficult. Well, but, and, and we've, we've gotten into what we're talking about behavior, you know, which, yeah, somebody who, as I described people, the, the collectivist or the individual, both the collectivist and the individual can be decent human beings. I never said they couldn't. Yeah. That, that wasn't what I was talking about. I, you know, both can be decent human beings. Of course they can. Um, I think most people are decent human beings, no matter what they are. But aside from behavior, that's character. <laughs> yeah, and I told you earlier, I'm not living around a bunch of desperate, selfish people, or I might have a different view. If well, my but, if my world included a lot of desperate, selfish people, I might have a different view of how I feel about well, people. In let's, fact, let's I know I would. That. And it'd be a lot harder for me to hold this idea I have now. Your 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 personal circle, you don't embrace desperate, desperate, selfish people, but they are around you. Yeah. You just don't embrace them. Right. I mean, they are out there. You no, just I, don't. No, I tend them to ignore them. Yeah. So you know, and that's individual judgment. Yeah. Um, and the individual judgment is so important to our experience in reality in life that 
this is why when I'm being asked to sacrifice all the and, and some people do, I'm not saying you do or all of them do, but some people who are of the collectivist mentality, they are purist than that and they'll they'll say, No, 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 that's your ego, your bad ego, and you need to sacrifice all that to evolve and this is the kind of thing I oppose. Well, that's that's one way of telling somebody that their idea of what's going on is better for you than you think it is, which right. may or may not be true. But that starting for me, starting off from that point, turns me off immediately. I'm sorry, Ward, I interrupted you. No, no, it, I, I was going to say this really touches on what Walter's lecture was this weekend, um, and, and that was uh, about that admonition about seeking it for yeah. yourself. And right. I mean, if anything, that the the individual seeking these answers for themselves is more important than, than the individual being told these answers uh, by someone collectively who wants to yeah. share it with everybody. Yeah, that's the, that's the mistake a lot of people make is, uh, that, you know, what was Walter saying? He was telling you to do this and to think this way. No, he was giving you some advice. If you choose to take it, great. You might find out something great. And if not, well, so what? Maybe, maybe you're interested in something mm-hmm. else or you, you've got a different method or whatever. I don't do this, you know, I... For a long time, and I still kind of think this, I don't do this radio show because I I want to prove anything, make people happy or whatever. I do it because I enjoy doing it. Uh, I wrote those books because I enjoyed writing them. I didn't write them because I wanted to prove anything or it was a big thing on my ego or anything like that. If I had, I, I probably wouldn't have done it. But, you know, anybody that does anything, your thing, your whatever it is, if you're doing it, as passionately as you can, I think that's part of the Walter's individuation thing and my my um, compassion thing. Because it, you, if you're worried about how much you care about other people, then you know that then there's the, I was about to say there's something wrong, but some people just don't worry about it, and that's unfortunate. But I, but the most important thing, the two most important things, I guess, is what Walter said is you know doing doing what you do and doing it passionately, and two. Um, realizing how you interact with other people and how you affect their lives. I think that yeah, you I, can't, I, think I don't think you can have one or the other. Huh? Like uh, women in, in Hawaii that, that like the sound of your voice. That's the only thing. <laughs> <you want. laughs> hey. No, I, 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 that made me happy. It didn't, it doesn't, I don't know if it flatters me or anything. It's just, oh, somebody, I made a connection with somebody that lives in Hawaii and listens to the show and enjoys it. That, that, that's great. It's it's only icing on the cake of I come down and do this because I enjoy it. And those frogs were outrageous, man. That was yeah. cool. Yeah, they yeah, were that loud. Was. That was very cool. Um, I hate to tell you guys, but uh, you know the stream is down. Oh really? Yeah, I've I've been looking over. I got a wave. Uh, how long has it been down? Um, I think for a good about thirty minutes. Oh shit! Well, at so least you're I definitely going to have to post this. Yeah, well, I'm, what I'm going to do is post a marathon um, two shows last week and this week because people seem to like uh, last week's show. And now Walter's all all um, getting uh, uh, messing his pants over this week's show. So it's a good one. It's a good one. <laughs> great, uh, Ward. I'm telling you, we'll have a great show. And then I find out from Greg. Oh no, I didn't post that. Uh, I'm like, I don't rate. I will post it. I, I'm recording it on my recorder and on the studio recorder. I do this with every show because sometimes one of them fails. Some of my best shtick. Has gone forgotten. Okay, well, if people, are, if people aren't listening to us and Walter needs to drive home, maybe we should uh, wrap it up. Yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, this is for posterity, too, because I don't think you guys realize. This is a strange thing, and I'm just going to say this right now. I think that in this modern day, of, uh, especially with web pages, I still think there's a room for the print media. Uh, what am I saying? Print, of course, it will last. But 
I think that the recorded word, like your shows, Greg, that you post, have so much more of a visceral impact as they can hear the, the tone and the intonation of the individual, and it, it, it much more so than just reading a blog post. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I never really thought about it, but maybe you're right. Maybe the, 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 you know, the future of uh, information is not going to be reading, but listening and watching. Well, but, and also, too, and Greg, watching. I mean, I, and you guys are there at the studio, so you don't realize this, but I'm sure that, well, especially, uh, you know, both of you guys are, are, are you know, you, you've got 50 million things going on at the same time. And if you want to hear a show at home, you're probably multitasking at the same time. Yeah. Oh, everybody that writes me is like, oh, I listened to your show while I was driving wherever or while I was working in the garden. or I've had the, you know, all the time. Right. And it's funny because uh, I would say a, a, a lot of my knowledge comes through osmosis. I mean, you know, I'll just I'll sit down and, and, and get to work on the computer or something, and I'll just say, hey, what's, you know, I'll listen to this show by Greg. I'll listen to this 10-year-old show by Greg. And I'll pick up something that, and it sticks in my head, and I remember it, and there you go. Yeah, and I, I, I did that by reading, and now I'm doing it by talking to people. Occasionally, I don't listen to a lot of their shows because not a lot of them interest me, and I, I, I don't even know if I apologize for that. And it's nothing to do with I'm right or anything like that. It's just that I give some shows a chance, and if I don't hear anything I like in a couple of shows, I stop listening to them. Because meaning like, meaning I'm not learning anything. If right. I start learning something, yeah, then I'll listen some more. You know, or I'll watch that show some more. Greg, what, I know you're going to go, and you can hang on with me any time you want, but, but, but uh, what happened with the interview that you did recently? Uh, I don't even remember the name. It's that one kind of outrage. Uh, Church of Mob Mabus. I don't know. They don't have it hosted anymore? No, no, no. Uh, what was strange is during that interview, I couldn't believe the host said to you, who's Richard Doty? Well, Art Bell said that. Well, that's true. I know that. But but it just seemed to me like, oh, man, you've got to have a little... Look, at Bell was the king of, you know, doing this stuff fresh. Yeah. But you'd expect somebody to at least read your book or something, you know? Yeah, I, I don't really care if they've read it or not, and I don't mind explaining it. Um, but I don't li what I don't like is, like, willful, willful stupidity pisses me off. But somebody that's just like, I was lazy and I didn't read your book. Could you describe it to me? Okay. You know, maybe other people listening haven't read it either, so I'll talk about it a little bit. And I'll, I'll say it as quickly as possible. But, no, I don't mind. Either that or I'll just launch into a big thing about him and what I think. I, I doesn't bother me. Okay. Well, I mean, he, he, I, I don't, this was a guy who was really talking about ufology, and, and I thought that, that he would have known. I, mean, I, I guess that's permissible, but I don't know. That kind of blew yeah. me away. Yeah, um, well, whatever. You know, it's sometimes people, you know, they, they're they really interested in the person's thing, or maybe they're just really interested in the person. Or maybe, you know, and I'm not saying... Interview. Yeah, or or the, they needed somebody to fill in the time, and they know that I've done some good shows in the past, and or they've done a good show in the past with me. And that's fine with me, too. What I don't yeah, like... I I one guy called that. me up once and yeah. said, would you be on my show? And I said, yeah, sure. And then he started arguing with me about Benowitz and MJ-12 and all this. And I, after about 10 minutes, I, I said, look, I don't want to be on your show if you're going to do this. If you want to do this, do it on the show. Don't come, and, you know, don't come and argue with me beforehand and say, you're wrong in this and that. If you want to do that, do it on the show. It'll make a better show, but I don't want to do this right now. And he said, oh, God, I'm so, I'm so sorry. And it's like, learn how to do your radio show. Yeah. You know, if you're going to well, spring this I, on a guest, do it during the show or forget it. 
That's better That's showbiz. That's the only interview, Greg, I've ever I've ever listened to with you that I actually stopped listening because the host was not asking good questions. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. it's the it's the only one I've ever I've ever said. You know what? I'm not going to listen anymore because I can't take these questions. Yeah, I I didn't notice because I just get caught up in the show and unless, like I said, unless it's this willful stupidity thing or the person's unfriendly or just really adult. Or it's and one the, of those morning zoo type shows where you go in there, it's just a bunch of guys in rock music going, hey, ha, 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 go sit Disneyland. Yeah, well, see, there are million, you know, hundreds of thousands of people listen to those shows, so you put up with it because it's publicity. Yeah, exactly, because you think during, during Weird California, I had a couple of those, and I'm like, I'm sitting there rolling my eyes going, what the hell is wrong with these people? I was thinking, <laughs> well, you know what? There's probably three or 400 people listening that's going to run out and buy the book immediately, so what the hell? You know, I'm, I'm trying to... Maybe I, your book, but not mine. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I, you know, I, like I said, willful stupidity is. Huh? I will. I definitely will, Ward. I'll check that. Yeah. We got um, here. And, uh, and Greg, I sent you an email a long time ago, but I never heard anything back. About um, what? I sent you an email a long time ago, um, but but I know you're busy with two jobs now. Uh, what was the email about? Oh, it was just well, you were saying you were going to go flying and you were going to listen to that Whitley Strieber interview that I sent you and. I think you listened to it. You said on the way you were going to listen to it in the car on the way to the location. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I always wondered what you thought of the interview with that, with that scientist. You know, the one he saw that UFO descent over, basically over in, I think it was Wyoming. And it just was over his car right in the middle of the road in this deserted grassland area. Remember that interview? No, because I don't think I listened to it, honestly. Can yeah. you can you it's resend amazing. it to me so or resend me the link to the Rodney Mysterioso thing? I'll look at it tonight and download it. Okay, cool. I'm sorry okay, I didn't. I'm sorry I didn't to, do I, it before. I don't know if the links up. I'll have to put like a media fire or something for you. Okay, or yeah, if if you have that, that's fine, and I'll load it right away, and I will listen to it. And in fact, I'll listen to it before away. the next before the next uh, show. Okay, cool, great guys. Listen, thanks so much for the conversation tonight. Hey, thanks, Ward. Thanks so much, Ward. And had a great. I um, really enjoyed the uh, this, the co- the conference this weekend, and, and uh, I'll be subscribing uh, every every month if you can do it. Thank you very much. Thank you. And you know what? Post on as many blogs as you can how much <laughs> how much you enjoyed it and what a cool experience it was. Yeah, I think I'll start a thread over at the Paracast because it, it it rocked. And Chris O'Brien was awesome too. Uh, okay, good. Uh, just remember that uh, a little number of them hate me over there. So oh, so what. Oh, this yeah, it's the same thing. You get all sorts of weird posters over there. I mean, you know, it just happens to be a, a, a popular, you know, place. And yeah, and, and you heard what Chris said on on that show. Uh, I was listening on Greg's show a couple of couple of weeks ago. He said, "This is my favorite podcast." And Greg goes over the podcast. He goes, "Well, that's that's my day job." <laughs> <laughs> so that was cool. That's how I feel about Ready Mysterio. So it's, uh, well, it's, thanks so it's much. A great show. So it's a once a week treat, man. All right. Well, thank, thanks so much, Ward. Thanks for calling in again. And thanks, yes, guys. I will listen later. to that thing. Send it. Send it uh, as soon as you can. You got it. All right. See you guys. Bye-bye. All right. See ya. Bye. Ward again. Nice. Huh. You haven't lost the stream in a while. No, no. So I don't know what's going on, and I don't know how to reset it. And it, let's see. I bet there's no listeners now. There's four listeners to something that's not happening. Well, then it must be going out. Hey, uh, just real quick, if anyone is listening and they have heard us in the last 30 minutes, give a call real quick to let us know. 
213-252-0998. Meanwhile, Walter needs to drive home. He's been, uh, he's probably sick of me. I've been bugging the hell out of Greg and Sigrid all weekend, so they need a break. Walter, it has been fun, and you are welcome anytime. Oh, I loved it. It was great. Yesterday, yesterday Did you turn that microphone back? Okay. Yesterday was a great success, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm very I grateful. Was, first, I was surprised it was a success, and then I thought, well, what, how could it have been anything else? I mean, it was destined to be a success. And so. remember, I'll say it again ad nauseum. You hear me say it. The reason you should li- go to this conference, it's cheap. Ten bucks, you hear the speakers, but we share stuff in the conference that we don't share here in any other podcast. Or in some cases in our books. I share stuff that you're not going to find in my books, but to understand it fully and get the full picture, yeah. you still got to read those books. Uh-oh, Walter Walter did the, you might as well have done the head thing and gotten up, because I think that's what he's, That's all he was going to say. Aren't you going to put your finger up and do this? you you, you got to do your homework first, folks. And yeah. the homework, when you listen to one oh, of my no, lectures, is... You didn't. is Latitude 33 and Empire of the Wheel, both at Amazon.com. I don't have any books to push anymore. No. Weird yeah. California is in every Barnes & Noble. Yeah, well, store. I don't make any money off it, so Man. screw those guys. No, I don't make any money off Weird California. What about Project Beta? That I do make money off of. Uh, seek out Project Beta. Yeah. Um, there's. It, I got a statement from Simon & Schuster a couple days ago showing that I still haven't made my advance back. The only way that's going to happen is if either tons of people buy the book in the next year or so, or um, more likely, um, it's movie rights, yeah. So I am working on that with a couple of people uh, off and on, and um, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, I will be back next week as far as I know. I don't think I'm going anywhere. I'm going to be in San Diego next weekend, but I'll come back in time for the uh, show. Um, So... I have not gotten enough sleep like four days in a row now, Walter, and you I'm, need to go I'm running to go out of batteries. This morning I woke yeah. up and I couldn't go back to sleep. You you, you need to go to bed. Go I home, used to be able to, to sleep bed. like a baby till this work stuff. Work is designed to just screw you up. That's right, man. And if I was, you know, if I was running my own business, I would probably feel a little bit more sane that, about the no right. sleep. The, let me let me tell you something. The highly evolved, does. the highly evolved intelligent human being is, becomes the boss man and the owner of his own company. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so I'm just I'm, other doofus. I'm an unevolved, do, un- individuated doofus, no, Walter. You are. According to Walter, you are an evolved individuated individual. <laughs> I'm just joking. Individual. I was well, just backing you up, man. I was backing thanks. up what you said. Thank you. So, uh, Roddy Mysterious will be back next week. I don't think Walter's going to try and make this th- about third week in a I row. Might he might be, be a little sick of me by now. I might be shooting. Um, it might be a shooting day next Sunday. Um, if not, I'll try to make it in. Okay. And uh, I will call Peter Robbins back, see if we can get him on, and um, get on uh, in the next three days on this uh, subgenius show, Robert Anton Wilson show, and see what uh, we can line up for you in the next few weeks. Uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for Vicky to, for calling in. Ralph, who I haven't heard from for years. I'm glad he called in. And uh, Ward, of course. And uh, I haven't played this in a while. It's a Beatles parody. And it belongs more properly in Halloween, but Halloween should be every day of the year, right? See you next week. Understand, but I'm a thirsty vampire. 
Why? 